All right, it's Ward Podcast, episode 68. Go. Coming in right under the wire. <laughs> we were trying to line it up for the end of the year podcast. It was like, will it be 69? Will it be 69? Ah, oh, just missed it. Just missed it. Uh, but welcome again. Hey. Coming back. Same lineup as episode forty. I don't. Know. I don't I remember. Forty one, forty two. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, Ruthie Edwards. Hello. That's, me. That's Hi. you. Hey, how you doing? I am doing well. How are you? I am fantastic. Looking at these levels, and then also Sam Lotion. Hey, how's it going? Good. L o e s c h e n. You got it. Yeah. Okay. Just gotta, nice. just gotta keep. Just keep remembering that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well done. Did we make that joke last time that you should legally get your last name changed yep. to just lotion? Yes. Okay. Just making sure. <laughs> that came into my head and I was like, I feel like I've made this joke already. Right. So good. You aren't the first either. It's no, I, I, yeah. figured, I figured. I figured it's not a very creative joke. <laughs> so how are you guys doing? Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Post MAGFest. Do you have the MAG plague or no, whatever they're calling it? I- actually didn't get it everyone else was complaining that they got home and like their feet fell off and their nose is (laughs) runny or whatever but i i was fine like i I had a day where i kind of lost my voice but it came back yeah i was a little uh sick this morning um but because i went out to the broadberry last night and watched no bs brass band Uh, um which i like them but i have friends who like love them so it's kind of like hard to like meet their level of excitement oh, yeah. when I go. Well, they play all the time yeah. too. Yeah. So this, like, how this can is you get my, that excited? Yeah. This is my friends literally like third or fourth time seeing them in the Broadberry. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I mean, I like them. I'm more excited for Bit Brigade, honestly, yeah. at Gallery 5. That was crazy. Because when we saw Bit Brigade at MAGFest, yeah. that was really good. That was one of my favorite moments. So for those of you guys that missed out, uh, <laughs> what did we see? We So we came in and they were playing Batman. Yes. Doing a speed run and playing the soundtrack live. But before that, they were playing Castlevania, which I don't think any of us got to see. Yeah, no. That, the soundtrack in that game is like one of my favorite ever. So oh, I really, really? wish I'd seen it. Aren't they doing... They're doing Mega Man 2. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Which is also going to be really mm-hmm. good. I love the soundtrack to Mega Man 2. I mean, like, because <laughs> they have to do every all eight robot masters. <laughs> yeah. And there's such a different feel for all of them. Yeah. Now, what the real question is, now I haven't played Mega Man 2, but I'm like very familiar with like between watching like Giant Bomb videos and things like that, like there's supposed to be an order of like which robot masters you use like and people argue all the time about which robot, which order you're supposed to go. It's like start with Woodman, no you start with Metal Man or you start with Air Man. Oh, so it'll be interesting to see what what so order he of, picks yeah, what the, the speedrunner speed run. takes, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, so for people who don't know um Bit Brigade is a metal band that plays a soundtrack live to a speedrunner speedrunning through the game. So when they're fighting the boss, they're playing the boss music. When they're in a cutscene, they're playing the cutscene music. Um, all in glorious metal, and it's great. So. so, but there sounds like there are sound effects coming from the game. Was I yeah. mishearing that? Yeah. I, yeah, there's sound from the game. So how are they ducking the other channels? I would imagine that there's some dude that's like mixing it. Okay. Um, because like because like you know. They don't like like when uh, in the Ducktales game when they finish level and it, and it has the huge like 
you know, like counting up all the points. Yeah, yeah. Like they want to hear that, and there's probably no way for the metal band to do that, but it's like a significant right, right, right. Because tallying up the score, right. Um, so they probably just have someone that like, hey, we're gonna listen to this part real quick, and then like puts it back. You, you, but you do see like when they're like, uh, they're kind of giving the guy a little bit of leeway. Like he's dancing around like the end of the level item to pick up, so like the band can finish the track. And then he'll touch yeah. it, and then they'll play the like, duh, 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 like whatever the success, uh, the wind state sound effect is. It was yeah. amazingly well synchronized, and that was my favorite part was the Ducktales one because everybody in the audience was going nuts and doing the like Ducktales, a woo, and singing all that. And then when they got to the moon level, everyone went truly insane. Which I've never heard that music. That's really good music. That that moon yeah. level music has become iconic as of late i don't remember it ever being like that before uh-huh. but like in the last couple of years everyone's gone nuts and nostalgia for this the moon theme mm-hmm. and it's people who've never played the game before because i guess it came out like in 1990 or so yeah i mean when does when did the show air uh beats I probably, me i never yeah. i never had yeah. disney I know channel Car- <laughs> i mean carl barks like the comic uh book is from like the 50s or 60s yeah. like comic yeah. books real old yeah um but yeah my bet my favorite part about the ducktales playthrough is when the theme was playing and you could see people who don't know the lyrics to the ducktales theme song because they're like yeah they know the the woo and that's all they know but that's totally cool like it's awesome that everybody was chiming in and doing that woo yeah yeah Audience That's is super into it. Yeah. yeah, I really like that. I'm, I'm excited <laughs> for Mega Man too, and I've never been to Gallery Five, which is where they're playing. So what? Yeah. Gallery Five is pretty sweet. I, I don't, I don't get out very much. I used to live a block from there, so I did too. Yeah, I, I oh, because yeah. I lived on Adams. Um, still never went. I also living over there on Broad Street. Never took advantage of First Friday. <laughs> That's really sad. Yeah, it's just like I'm tired. I don't want to. <laughs> Uh, I was still in school and everything. Uh, I'm just going to sit here. But yeah. Um, Bit Brigade was great. Bit Brigade was pretty good. You know, I'd really like to see them do the Undertale soundtrack. Oh. I was thinking about that on the way over. So like one of the last awesome games done quick was uh, was a Undertale speedrun. Damn. Which I think awesome. is really weird. Yeah. But you're right. Undertale played by Bit Brigade would be really good. Yeah. Like... like uh, you guys have played it, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, just making sure. Uh, the uh, the last level, or like the last like room where you're like walking through the castle and there's like the pillars and the sun shining. Yeah, 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 yeah. That music's playing. Holy shit. I think I'd cry. I think the Metatron music, <laughs> all the Metatron music playing that would be, that's like my favorite soundtrack or yeah, track yeah, in, oh that, God, in that game. That's really good. Yeah. Plus, I mean, it's got the whole like lay it motif thing mm-hmm. going on, however you say it. Um, but like, they repeat the same theme in like every song throughout the game. Oh, okay. Right. And just like sort of reconfigure it for different moods and stuff like that. Okay. So I think the band would have a lot of fun with that. And, and it's like good metal. Cause like, I'm not, I'm not the biggest metal guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not like big into like, like Wendy's going to like a thrash metal concert. Uh, your cousin's taking her tonight. And I'm like, that's not my scene, mm-hmm. but like it's, it's, it's good metal. And all the guys on stage are like, look like they're having a blast. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't see the speedrunner because I guess he's like sitting oh, down no, in front of like a I CRT. I couldn't see a thing because I'm only five two, so I'm just <laughs> looking at the backs of people's heads. But I could, I could see the game. It was being projected right. above there, mm-hmm. so that's all I needed to see. But that concert hall, like, was only like half full. Um, yeah, it was a yeah big ballroom type of place with carpet. It was yeah. weird. But on the other half of the ballroom, they had um, 
So they have two concert yeah, venues, one on either end. So when one ends, the next one begins right after, yeah. which is awesome. So we saw DJ uh, Cutman. DJ Cutman is dressed in full Cutman regalia. That's pretty cool. Um, it Giant was like the goofiest, happy hardcore music, and like he's remixing the Pokemon the theme song from the TV show and stuff like, like real yeah. dorky stuff. I saw a recording of and that. And it was awesome. <laughs> like we, we, I was dancing with a bunch of our RVA crew and some other people and everybody was just getting goofy. It was really fun. And yeah, the, it was great. I didn't expect to be into that kind of music, but oh my God, it's like, yeah. Worse, you know, so. I'm an old man. So it was like, what time was that? That was like midnight almost. It was, I was not like, midnight. Yes, <laughs> time to go to bed. That's how I was last night with no BS. I was like, time to go to bed. At yeah. bedtime. Like when they finished their first set, I was like, okay, good. All right, time to go. <laughs> I'm tired. That's kind of how we were the first night. I know Dylan was trying to go to sleep at like 10 o'clock. We're yeah. like, no, man, come play some board games. <laughs> well, I really wanted to see Proto Men, but I was terrified that that, that concert hall was going to be packed. But after looking at how Bit Brigade was only taking up half the venue, I probably should have just bit the bullet and went down there. Yeah, well, well I mean, those ballrooms are huge they're like just so so big i didn't i did not expect them to have like that kind of setup i mean i guess i I guess i should have granted the kind of room we were in for mibs but like but yeah it was like yeah crazy big um but proto men will be at pax because they're always at pax and i'll see them there because sam i didn't tell you this i told ruthie before you started just heard last night my pax east panel got accepted oh so we have a pax east panel nice man that's awesome yeah so i'm really excited about that um, it's called Hidden Gems, Discovering the Undiscovered at PAX East. Because last time, because I've only been to PAX East once, or PAX in general once, you just, you're, it's, 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 it's sensory overload. Mm-hmm. Like, unless you have, like, a strict plan, you have no idea, like, where to start. And it's a lot like MAGFest, where it's like, right. oh, I didn't even know this existed in this nook or cranny or anything. Like, if we didn't know beforehand about, like, the computing museum, like, that would have, we would have completely not seen it. Right, sure. But, um... So the whole point of our panel is going to be, uh, it's at, well, right now it's tentatively scheduled for Friday, um, March 10th, I think, whatever the Friday of PAX East is this year, Mm. um, at 3 p.m. That's a good time too. So what we're going to do is that first day is just us. Basically, we need to find, we're going to try and find the most like obscure random game that's being shown at PAX and then everyone brings a game to the panel and talks about it. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, really that's really smart. So I'm really excited about that. Um, do you guys just want to like like are you guys just talking about obscurity for obscurity's sake, or is there like a well, well, like I said, like the purpose is to like show because I mean it's going to be me, Dan, Alex, and tentatively Mason because I'm not sure about his schedule yet, but uh, it's kind of a kind of showcasing like what we would want to see. So okay, I'm like yeah. so like I that's would cool. imagine I'm not you know. It's not a requirement, but I would imagine Dan would like to look at some VR demo or something sure. and go look at that. Uh, but like what what draws us, what would draw us on the expo floor or not on the expo floor, just some random thing. Um, and then and to help other people find things that they might have overlooked. Right. So to, to help with that sensory overload thing where it's like, I don't know where to go. It's like, well, here's here's a couple of recommendations. Yeah, if you like curated like diamonds in the rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's a cool idea, man. And we kind of want to do like a like a lightning round at the very end where people can come up and, and suggest things as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. That'll be really awesome. Because they do like a floor mic at all the panels. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably just do a line at the very end be like, you got a minute, recommend something. And we'll do like 15 people or something. How much time do you get? I think we get an hour. It, they yeah. didn't give us an end time. 
Nice. Um, yeah. They only gave us a start time, so I think it's usually between hour, hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I mean, if it's only an hour, we can we can work with that. Nice. But yeah, it's gonna be really fun. I'm super excited about that. Yay. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So, so, do you guys get like tickets and stuff? Nice. Get free three day passes. That's so, awesome. So everyone gets a free three day pass. Very cool. Yeah, I'm excited. So check it out. We get to. <laughs> it's so far away. They put them on YouTube, right? It, they stream them. Well, you you have to opt in for streaming, but because you opt in doesn't mean you automatically get it. Ah. Right. Um. And I don't know. I don't use Twitch at all, so I don't know what like the archival thing works for Twitch anymore. Oh. Um. But they at the very least stream them, and we're gonna record it. Okay, sweet for a podcast. So. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I'm probably not going to PAX this year, so it'd just be cool to like see it. Yeah, you know, we'll definitely, we'll definitely posthumously. At, at the very least, we're going to try to have a recording of it, but we're you know live live recording sometimes, just like hey, the computer ate it, right? Uh, <laughs> so we'll see. I need to talk to the, the the people running panels at PAX to see what their setups like. But yeah, I randomly got onto a panel at uh, at Magfest. One of the mages panels. I've told is going to to YouTube, which I'm sort really scared about actually. Um, no, nah, it's uh basically what happened was it might have been a mages panel, but what happened was um my friend Dustin from Blacksburg, um, I was trying to find him on Thursday night, and it was like probably one one thirty in the morning, and he was like, "Yo, I'm at this panel." And he texted me and he's like, "You should come up here." So I did, and he was at a panel that was for Mag Labs, which is like experimental Magfest. If you're like super into the Magfest experience or whatever. Um, that was in DC, right? Mm-hmm. And they do like a month or two ago. Yeah. Yeah. And it's where they sort of like test out like, uh, like if you remember the soapbox. Yes. That was like a Mag Labs creation that like made its way into MagFest. So it's where they like sort of test out the fringe shit and then like, you know, if it works, they bring it in, right. they bring it in the main festival. But anyway, so, so, um, Justin was like, I sat down next to him and he's like, uh, I'm surprised they didn't call on you. They're probably going to. And I was like, oh no, that's not, I've never been in one of these. And so they called on me and I was wearing my, my, my black flag shirt and they're like, Hey, black flag, what are you doing here? And I said, uh, I said, I don't know, man, my, it's my friend Dustin. I just sort of, just sort of walked in and they're like, well, what would you like to see added to MagFest? Have you ever been to Mag Labs and asked me a few questions? And I was like, this is my first one. And they were like, ever? And I was like, yeah. And so they were like, all right, you need to get up here right now. And so they put me on the panel and uh-huh. just like asked me a bunch of questions. Like, what do you think of this as like a first time MagFest attendee? And all this other stuff, and that's how I went up on a panel at one thirty in the morning. That's pretty cool. And Magfest. I thought it, I thought it wasn't your first time. It's your first. It was your. Yeah, first it was one? my first Magfest. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was. mine. It was my first time too. Oh, okay. We're all Magfest yeah. first timers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah everyone seemed shocked that came by my booth. They're like, "This is your first time?" I'm like, yeah, I'm going all the way too. Not yeah. just am I am I an attendee, but yeah. I'm you're showcasing showcasing too. Yeah, I thought I didn't know how people like responded to that. I was like, wait a second, you're. It's your first time, but also you got into the indie showcase. Like what? I also felt pretty good that like it was so like the the lineup was it was us, it was the board games booth, and then Ruthie you were right next to us, and then it was the RPG. What were, what were those RPG guys? RPG Arcade. RPG from Island Arcade. officials was their yeah. dev team. And then yeah. and then and then Sam, you were next to that with mm-hmm. Silent Earth, and then Moment and Mike were with Clash Cup, um, elsewhere on the floor. Yeah. Uh, but you look over and like. Right in front of our booth was those Avaria guys who were really cool, and then right next to them, or two booths over from that, were the Read Only Memories people. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like I got in, and then the Read Only Memories people got in on like right. the same. We're like, right, that's awesome. Yeah, you crazy. all get the same amount of space, and uh, yeah, it's 
equal opportunity for a lot of people. I th- I think there's about 60 booths. So it's a pretty good number of yeah. us. Mm-hmm. So we can do we can do a rundown of like the, the the booth part and then we can talk about like our uh experiences. What we enjoyed about Magfest in general afterwards, but Ruthie, tell me about tell me about your booth and how you felt about all the feedback and everything you got. Yeah, I had an excellent time. It was one of the best experiences of my life. I loved every minute of Magfest. Um especially being at my booth and meeting all these cool game developers and people who like to play video games. Um, Because every single person there likes video games. So you have a captive audience that's really easy to talk to. So I was presenting my game, This Little Piggy, that I had originally made for Ludum Dare two years ago. No, just last year. And so I kept working on it. But anyway, so I had my space and I had a big old TV, like a 55-inch TV, and um, a bunch of swag. So I had pins and bubble gum and postcards and stuff. And I ended up giving away about 500 postcards and 300 pins. So I'd say at least 500 people played my game. Yeah, wow. Yeah, or at least came by the booth and watched somebody play the game. Um, Because I I did have it on another smaller computer. So my big monitor was running off a Mac Mini and that thing was flawless. It never crashed or anything. But I was running it off a Windows computer too. And like every now and then it just blew screens for no reason. Because it's Windows, and that's... Your Surface Book? Yeah. Just for no reason, every now and then, that's what it does. Or somebody would come along and, like, accidentally unplug it or something (laughs) like that. But, um, so that one, I eventually... Sunday, I didn't even bother with that one, but having it on a big TV was awesome because people could come by and watch other people play it. It definitely drew a crowd, and we were going to bring a TV... We were going to bring this one, but uh, it stopped working. (laughs) Like, right after Christmas, I came home, and it just wouldn't turn on. I was like, great. So the guy came Friday to replace the board. Uh, he just took the entire equivalent to mo- the motherboard in there and just replaced it. And I was like, that's "Pretty cool, all yeah. right, uh, under warranty. That's fine." But um, yeah, so what? So what? Like important feedback did you get? Um, I got a lot of people asking me, you know, is this game out? Is this something that I can buy? Mm-hmm. A lot of people ask me if it was on PlayStation because I was using PlayStation controllers. Yeah. And I'd be like, no, man, this is running off a of Mac Mini. Yeah. It's actually playing in a browser. It's funny to uh, see that dissonance between people that like do development and people that are just there to play games. Yeah. Because like the idea that you have a PlayStation 4 controller plugged into a Mac Mini that's running this <laughs> this, this Haxflixel application, yeah. I think would like explode their minds. Yeah, so yeah, a lot of people thought it was going to come out on PlayStation, especially kids. They don't really understand that. And one kid was like, is this going to be on PlayStation Vita? I was like, um, no. That's when you say yes. I mean, <laughs> no, just no. But <laughs> I mean, potentially, but I have no idea how that porting stuff works yeah. for that. But uh, especially yeah. for hacks. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have the first idea. Uh. So right now it's just a in the browser game um, and like HTML5 or Flash or whatever, and then executables for Mac and Windows. But a lot of people were saying. Um, you should make this into a mobile game. And I'm, I kind of can't see the controls working, you know, because you, you have to use the arrow pad or an analog stick to control the pig. Mm-hmm. And so they, I think that's problematic. But a lot of people were like, yeah, is this on Steam? And I'm like, no, I'm not ready for that. So uh, I, need to, I need to work on it, see what direction I want to take with it. Because mobile games, it's better if they're more arcadey, more addictive. Yeah. You know they have they don't have 
as good of replay value, I'd say. They're, like, more snackable. Whereas a PC game, if you put something on Steam and you charge money for it, it better have, like, a whole story and multiplayer and trading cards mm. and all this shit, or people get really mad. Or at least price it appropriately. Like, for us, we kind of keyed into the idea that if our game peak were to, like, become a, a full-fledged product that we would sell on Steam or something, I think Cannibalt is, like, the closest, like, in terms of, like, price gameplay length things like that yeah totally and you see a lot of that on itch of people going for like these like bite-sized like i mean let's like that's kind of what i'm making right like silent earth is like a definite it's like like short place right you know um uh short play cycles but uh a lot of people aren't going for that like three dollar bracket on steam it's right. really common on itch but like i think yeah. you could make some money if you went for that on steam, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. and also like what you're saying rufi uh with people like immediately asking like is this on steam is this do you have a kickstarter mm-hmm. or is this in green light keen me into the fact that if you were to do any of those things you do it right before you go to an event like this so that yeah. there's something actionable like what can I do with this thing? It's like, well, you can buy it. You can fund the Kickstarter. You can do X, Y, or Z to it yeah. like right now. So I totally did that. There was a game called uh, Run Dino Run, I think, that was kind of near you guys. But anyway, it was just a little arcade style game that was um, really retro. kind of looked like a Vectrex game. Oh, but I think, was, was that between dinosaur? the Avaria and the... Yeah, and, uh, so he was on Green Greenlight, and um, his booth was all about like, hey, like us on Greenlight or whatever it is. Follow us on yeah. Greenlight. Recommend us or whatever the terminology uh, yeah. is. Yeah, so like us on the Greenlight on Steam so we can get this thing made. And um, I was just looking at their Twitter yesterday, and they got it. They got through. Sweet. And I think That's it was awesome. totally because people at MAGFest were, were yeah. playing it hands-on and, and giving them the, the Greenlight. And that's obviously an action that requires so little cost to the user yeah totally. Like oh, yeah. If, if you say if it's available for sale or like even for us we were like it's available for download like we didn't there was no bump in like download rates even though we got something like 250 people playing it so we got so like magfest for us was like much more about user feedback mm-hmm. and improvement yeah but it was, it was not for that it was not about getting uh downloads yeah totally yeah de- definitely definitely just about getting that the word of mouth and getting visibility to the game. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you guys both got like valuable playtesting too, right? Oh, like, totally. Like, now you know like what the game needs. And <laughs> oh yeah, that's why that's what I meant every, by feedback. Yeah, I know everything stuff. that's wrong with it. You know now. every single yeah. bug. <laughs> yep. Well, it's funny because Ruthie came up to me like at the end of Thursday, and you said something to the effect of like, "Do you guys have any problems? Or like, how is your build? Or how is your game?" I was like, "It's fine. Yeah, got a lot of good feedback." And she's like, "No, did it break?" I'm like no <laughs> like guess i mean that's awesome like, that's the, good that it, that's really good if it doesn't break in my experience yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i felt back i was like oh no we didn't have the proper magfest experience where everything goes to shit on the first day yeah, and you gotta I mean, put out fires every every game that i played had bugs in it basically because we're all indie developers right. and a lot of these were works in progress or like going through green light or whatever so they're not they're like alpha versions right um, so, like, they game next to mine, RPG Arcade. They had one character. So, it's kind of like a, a turn-based RPG battle. It looks but, like Final Fantasy, but, but you're no, tapping. There's no story or anything. It's just the battles. So, it's a fun little arcade tablet type of game. Right. 
Um, but there was one character's move they hadn't rigged up yet. It was like a fire type move or something. Uh-huh. And I clicked on it and I used it and they're like, oh, that's not in the game yet. And they had to restart the thing. So <laughs> it's like everyone had these little game breaking bugs where they're like, oh, we didn't finish that part or like, oh, that's a bug. I have to restart it. We, we definitely had <laughs> bugs, but we didn't have like game breaking bugs. So like there'd be parts where like the character got stuck on the geometry and you just yeah. have to restart like the level. But it was never like shut it down, rebuild it. Like yeah, that. yeah. The only issue I had with mine was with my um, controllers and the input mapper. I think people were really rough on my PS4 controller the first day, and the analog stick would get stuck. But um, I was having problems with the input mapper, and that's something I wish I had tested more. I tested it at home, and it was fine, but then all of a sudden you get other people doing it, and they're mashing all the buttons at yeah. the same time, yeah. which is unexpected you, behavior. You, you don't think about that. And like people are doing that with ours too. Oh, they're pushing every single button and like they want to touch the screen even though it's not not a touch screen. And they unplug everything. Like there's so many conditions you oh. just have no idea to test for. Yeah. So, And there's no internet in there. So I couldn't download a new key mapper or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was my only issue. Um, it wasn't game breaking, but... It was certainly an inconvenience when the controller would go haywire and the character would freak out, fly off in some direction. Yeah. Talk to me about static electricity. Oh, yeah. That was the first <laughs> bug, like real life bug. <laughs> it was like physical um, bug. So I, they recommend you bring a floor mat or a uh, rug or something to decorate your booth and also to give people something soft to stand on because it's concrete. And so I had this. Uh, foam floor mat you might buy if you're building a home gym or something like that these they look like puzzle pieces that fit together and they looked really nice it was like a faux travertine nice tile look um but people would walk up to my booth walk across this foam mat and go to pick up the controller and it would visibly shock them and they would be like ow and um twice it was a feature yeah twice it was enough static to turn off my tv um that's, that's crazy <laughs> I don't, I, it was Jesus. a lot so that was about two hours in it had gathered so much static i had to get rid of it do you think that the, was a bummer. the static electricity was like hitting the power switch and causing it to turn off do you think it was like the tv has some sort of fail safe in it where if it recognizes too much voltage it shuts itself off i'm, I'm pretty sure it's it's the latter okay yeah because yeah. it wasn't turning the computer off or anything the controller is wired to the computer and then the computer's um, HDMI to right. the maybe some sort of grounding TV. connecting them. That's so I that. don't really know, but the air in there was super dry. My hair was standing on end the whole time. So I've never needed like uh, lip balm ever in my life. Yeah, but Magfest was like the first time where it's like my um, lips feel like they're falling off. I was chugging water and putting chapstick on every five minutes, and yeah, it was super dry and just so much static and like you could feel the electronic interference in the air yeah pretty much there's so many so many bluetooth controllers and computers and yeah so much stuff it was just like a giant like faraday cage but the faraday cage just had just so many signals bouncing inside of it that it was just like a lost cause because the second it started clearing out like on the last day you could get a somewhat of a signal but like before that it was like it was was oh yeah lost cause no cell phone or internet or anything oh yeah my partner um is based in the uk yeah. Um, and so all day he's like, how's it going? How's it going? How's it going? And I'm just like, I can't, I can't tell you. Like, it, we're just totally locked down in here. There's no signal whatsoever. Right. I'll tell you once I get out. Also, you're super just, busy too. Yeah, also yeah. super busy because 
because for the most of it, I was just running my booth by myself. Right. Um, and Kirk was helping you a little bit, right? Yeah, little he was like bit. running between you yeah, and he was around. Clash Cup. Um, yeah, that was weird though because we had the foam tiles too, the puzzle pieces, but ours, I think it was some sort of film or coating on yours that was like building it up way more because the final day when we were pulling ours up, I could feel like all the hair on my arms was like standing on end because I could feel it start building up on me. And I immediately went up to Mason, touched him, and like it was like a snap. Like you could hear yeah, how much it, shock it, it was. It hurt. It was physically hurting people. And I said, I can't, I can't have this mat anymore. So I had to get rid of it. And that was a huge bummer because I thought it looked so nice. I had this did look good. picnic table type of tablecloth and um, and that nice travertine yeah. foam mat. But oh well. Modular tiles, like the modular rug, was the the the, the look though. That was the way to go because like I had this like. Um, super like girly, like polka dot. I did like your rug though. It was a good <laughs> oh, I rug. I didn't think it was girly. It was just black with white polka it was, dots. I, it looked, I, I didn't think it was, it was girly either. Yeah. Um, I don't know if polka dots are very silent earth, but um, but they. Well, uh, if 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 the brown was darker, if it was a black, you could just those just look like the explosions in your game. There we I go. thought it yeah. looked like your game. Like sweet. it had. You thought it worked? Yeah, I, I did. Definitely. Damn, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> well. That said, I, I was looking at just, like, rugs to go buy, right? And I forgot that rugs are, like, weirdly really expensive. Yeah, it's, like, it's a lot of fabric. Yeah. Um, but if I remember correctly, you told me those those uh, modular tiles are, like, 20 bucks a pop or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I spent, like, that's 40 bucks on two packs. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely the way to go. And it's time. so much easier to transport. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, I still have them in the back of my car. And, I mean, they're, they, they, they can pile up, but, but it's not as long as a rug. Yeah. A, a rug can be... Un- unwieldy yeah so yeah if, if i was going to do a post-mortem for my game or for anybody who's doing a convention for the first time it's like set up your whole table at home test out everything because yeah. if i had taken those floor mats out and actually used them i probably would have discovered they generate so much static that you will get shocked yeah i, de- <laughs> I definitely wanted to do that but we just we didn't have time in the lead yeah. up to it um I definitely need a longer tablecloth because our tablecloth was, I mean, it, it was fine, but I liked how yours kind of draped all the way to the ground. Yeah. Whereas if you looked at ours from the side, you could see the PC. I'm like, eh, this looks a little unprofessional. So the big things for me were bigger tablecloth, bigger screen, mm-hmm. like workable screen because we use Mason's like 23 inch Dell, which I like that Dell. Mm-hmm. I use that Dell at work yeah. for, for a vertical monitor. It look, it's It was nice for your game, but having a big TV allows other people to see... Yeah. It pulls people, people in more. Playing. Yeah. Uh, need an attract mode, most definitely. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. So oh, I'm curious also what kind of like hot fixes you guys were doing between days. Because for us, we didn't do a lot. I would change some of the, le- the level geometry. But what we mostly did is that we just put a video file in a scene that people could watch. Because the first day, oh, we're, okay. we saw your booth. We saw mm-hmm. Sam's booth. Um, and, you know, you guys had attract modes. And we were like, well, this just this is just a static start screen. So we were both just taking turns playing our own game, trying yes. to get people to come over. Mm-hmm. Track mode is crucial. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the worst. So it worked, that worked pretty well. And it was funny because we were working on it like the Friday morning. It's like, all right, you make the video file in Premiere and I'll figure out how to import in, into Unity, which the way you import video files is really stupid because it treats it like <laughs> yeah. a texture. Yep. <laughs> and then you just apply oh, that yeah. texture to an object. You told me, yeah, you just had it like on a cube. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. It was so dumb. I was like, why? Oh, I mean, looking looking at it, I had no idea. Yeah, you wouldn't know. Yeah. It, yeah. But, but yeah. it was just like a scene with a cube with the, with the yeah. video text. Right. With the yeah, movie file on it. 
So I did my attract mode the harder way, which was I. It's an actual gameplay, and you it, uses AI. A, it uses AI to move the pig around. But the AI is really bad. It runs straight into a wall and dies usually. Um, so that's something I need to work on. But yeah, I was really glad that I had that so that it demonstrates the game and then shows the title and then it goes flips back and forth between those two screens. So there's always something moving. Um, so that the first day I just had it where you end the game and it tells you what your score is, it would stay on that screen. And I was having to constantly go back to the menu. Mm. So that, that was my hot fix was going you know, a 30-second timer that goes back to the menu and also adding a high score at the end because people were constantly asking me, what's the high score? What's the highest score people got today or the whole yeah. weekend? So that was that's what I did. Mm. Ours was only. a little easier because our game was so hard at the beginning. We only had like two people beat all three levels at like on the first two days or something. Mm-hmm. So that was that was like our metric. It was like how many people beat the demo? It was like, oh, like five. But like by Sunday, where we had like made the levels much easier. It was like 30 people or something had beaten it. Sure. So, but yeah, but yeah I, I do like the idea of that leaderboard. Um, and you put, and that's in the current build online, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's just a local high score. So I guess if you turn your computer off and turn it back on, it's gone. Okay. <laughs> what about if you like reset the browser or if like you close the browser with that, wipe it too? Probably, but that's my next goal. I've done something similar where it's written scores to a JSON file and yeah. stored it and then mm-hmm. retrieve it on a website. So that that's one of the things I want to do next. Mm, boy, JSON files. Let me tell you about working with <laughs> JSON files and PHP. Mm, a lot of fun. Mm. So much fun. All right, what about you, Sam? Uh, in regards to just, just my booth went? Yeah, how your booth went, what kind of good, valuable feedback you got. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, so my experience was interesting. It was definitely the most positive playtesting experience I've ever had by far. Um, despite uh, me getting, like, really sick right before MAGFest. And, right. Like... like uh, that's put me super behind on getting the booth together and put me behind on like all the features I wanted to have in the game and like making sure the game was airtight and bug free. Getting that banner printed, um, which good on Speed yeah, Pro. Yeah, good on Speed Pro. Speed Pro, Richmond, Virginia. They helped me out. Um, they're good. But yeah, they, they the, the banner actually turned out really, really well. Um, so at least that worked out. But more or less, I showed up to MagFest with not having assembled the booth. Um, I had written the attract mode to the game in the car on the way up, uh-huh. uh, which was extremely bug inducing um and and so it wasn't like a total train wreck or anything the first day but it was definitely like all right you know like you said earlier we got fires to put out right um so i spent like the first night of magfest really like focusing on uh, fixing bugs and i got the game like mostly bug free even more so by like by uh friday night um and uh and by the end of it you know like we were getting like really really good play tests um even like friday and saturday were like really really good um so yeah, attract mode was definitely crucial. Um, I think I think it's like my postmortem would be like even even if you really want to test something out, um, even if uh, even if it's not really new content or you think you can get it done, just like feature lock to two weeks out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like just because just because like even if you can think you even if you think you can get it done, like. Um, it's just worth your sanity. Yeah, it's and like, just not worth the hassle. Because if some bug comes up, you won't know where it is. Yeah. You know, um, and thankfully, thankfully, I worked it out. The big problem with Silent Earth is that um, uh, I really want the game to not have any loading times whatsoever. So the whole game is loaded into one scene um, in Unity uh, mm-hmm. when you start, and that's it. And that's sort of working against the grain in Unity. Unity really wants you to sort of use their All scene the system, right? 
Um, but you're really so, big on like the garbage collection stuff because you're always in like the CPU. Um, right. Well, when you have and... a game that's like that where it's like it's just like a state machine and there's no there's no scenes that you're loading in and out, you have to be big on the garbage collection because um, your game can get leaky really quickly if there's if if it's never actually like purging it purging the memory at all. But um, so the way that works is there's a huge state machine that sort of determines like all right, well I'm I'm in the game now now I've now I'm doing like the selection screen for my mods now I'm doing no, I, I lost, so like we have to go back to the main menu. Um, and putting in a track mode that sort of like breaks that, that. definitely yeah. definitely introduced a lot of game breaking bugs into that. So I can see that. So yeah, but I mean, other than that, uh, I got like really, really, really good feedback. Um, I got a lot of good ideas for stuff I want to put in the game. Um, made some good connections. There were some people, some other developers there and stuff who really, really liked the game. Um, and I, le I left feeling really good about it, despite having some some pretty bad bugs in the beginning. So the most heartbreaking thing that happened was uh, Saturday or Sunday when we were breaking everything down. Like literally five seconds after Mason turns off the PC, and I was away from the booth. This one of the other devs from the other side of the room came over. He's like, "I heard this game is really innovative. Can I try it?" And Mason's like, "I'm sorry, <laughs> we just shut everything down." Wait, was this on Sunday? Yeah. Oh, rough. So yeah. you didn't even have another day to do it. Well, yeah, there was a lot of cool people there. I met a few journalists and bloggers who were like, mm -hmm. let me take your photo next to your game. And I have no idea where, like, where that is. But, <laughs> but yeah, there was a lot of bloggers and, and things like that. And um, a woman who runs a sort of traveling arcade in D.C., she wanted to feature my game in that. So I... I um, we're we're talking about it. I don't know what she like brings these games to people and all these old consoles, kind of like Magfest owns all these old cabinets and stuff. Right. I don't know, but I met a lot of cool people who are very connected and yeah, look forward to chatting with them for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. Did you guys do mailing lists? So Mason made like a Google form, and I and I told him beforehand that we weren't going to have internet, so I was like, we should make some sort of like kind of seamless looking thing. I wanted to make a web page that was just a static web page that would just, like you said, save to a JSON yeah, file or save save to something. But we didn't we didn't have that working, and uh, we thought just having a laptop on the booth would look a little. Tra I mean, moment and Mike were doing it, so it, it wouldn't look too bad. But but no, to answer your question, we didn't have a mailing list because I didn't want it to look too bad, and also like we were getting a little bit of foot traffic. Oh, Ruth, you got about like half the number you got over the course of the thing. We got about two hundred fifty people. Um, and people were like really into the game, but this being our first outing, I didn't want to be pushy with like, go look at the site and also sign yourself up for this mailing list. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, just as long as you retain some sort of like contact and like really keep like some way to keep the game in their minds. Right. right. Like, um, like for me, I was giving out, I had a mailing list, but I was also giving out like the, just like my cards with my Twitter on it, uh -huh. which is where I post news about the game. Most often is on Twitter. So I got a lot of Twitter followers um, from people who came over and got the cards, which is good. And I did have a mailing list. It was a piece of sketchbook paper um, that I wrote Silent Earth mailing list on the top. And like, I think that works the best. That's It's fast. People understand yeah. it. And I, like, mean, they, I got like 100 emails. Wow. Like, yeah, That's so awesome. Like, yeah, it's like pretty good. Um, I, I think the only thing I'd want to do is just make some nice looking stationery, like nothing too big, but at least something that like yeah, printed on it. Mine looked pretty indie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> and that's just, I mean, that's just my hang up. Like we probably should have put a mailing list out, but also like we had, we had the laptop out for a little bit, 
but we weren't pushing it. It was just kind of like there and no one was really interacting with it. So I kind of just like, all right, let's shut that down. Let's just, let's just laptops. They almost feel like they're not supposed to. Yeah. Like that's, you know. Yeah. It's someone else's stuff and they don't want to touch it. Right. As as, as stupid as that sounds, like, I just think that's what it is. We're going to uh, rally um, next for the playthrough conference. So definitely going to try and make some sort of like stationary or some sort of paper form and be like, all right, you, you can interact with this. This is fine. Yeah, and see what kind of response we get. Totally, mailing lists are good. Um, I think uh, I don't. I don't really know. Like, I kind of want to just send out uh, email every day. Emails for me. Oh God, I'm super like just like not personalized emails to each person, but like like just like hey everybody, if you get this email you're on the Silent Earth mailing list, and oh just, yeah, like kind of keep it very personal. Yeah. Like I don't. I don't really want to do like the like uh so, some sort of uh, I forget. I'm, I don't. I never make mailers, but it's like. <laughs> But it's like where you have like the person's name all customized and all that stuff, and like follow right. us on Twitter and all. Yeah, it's yeah. like I just I don't I hate that vibe. And when I get that in my inbox, it's like unsubscribe right now. I think I think there's um, a good balance between those. Like you can use like use their name that they've submitted for you, but also like have it coming from have it say from Sam Lotion, you know, right. co-founder instead of saying like from Remote Games. Right. Yeah, I want it, I want them to like I want it to have like my face on it. You right. know, like I want it to feel personal. Literally, just. Yeah, it's big ba- ba- <laughs> background image, Sam's face. Yeah, yeah. I got a, I got a, um, I got a uh, email from another indie because I, I joined, I joined their ma- mailing list, and there was a lot of like faux pas I kind of saw on it that I was kind of like, Ugh. like it was, it was like not, mm. a, not addressed like personally or professionally enough, and also like um, they were kind of like addressing individual like reviews like not saying like this review is wrong but saying like this person on metacritic gave us uh because they only had like six reviews or something i'm don't like ever focus on that yeah yeah just like on, only only focus on the here's where you buy it um yeah. thanks for thanks for you thanks know, for your feedback and, yeah. and your feedback and all that stuff like yeah. never address anything like that's just yeah oh, and any 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 new announcements you might have so for us it's like get people on the mailing list then you push the podcast more things like that right but yeah right Jesus. Cool stuff. Yeah, but we got a lot of good feedback. Um, I think the big things are we want to make an endless mode, an infinite mode yeah. for yeah. running. Yeah. Um, so I'll just have to need to look into procedural generation, like how I want to stage out like the difficulty and like the the, the, the mechanics mm-hmm. for that. Um, I really, not to super dive into feedback mode, but I do I do think that your game is like, could be so like multi-platform. Like you could easily make a mobile version of it. Yeah, a lot of um, people were asking if it were on mobile. And, and, um, and Mason's really big into mobile. Um, because like, he, he, like, I think he likes that platform because like you can, you can, like Silent Earth, like you can make very good contained experiences on mobile. Yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. just like very, very like tiny, but still holistic. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So... So I'll look into. I've never messed with the, the mobile stuff in Unity, so mm-hmm. I'll have yeah. to look into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But everyone, good mm-hmm. Magfest. Good first Magfest. Good Mag. Good Mag. It was amazing. <laughs> it's a good Mag. Good Mag. Yeah. So I think the three of us and some other people from Richmond, we spent a lot of time in the computer museum, and that was my absolute <laughs> favorite part. Yep, me too. Um, so good. <laughs> well, we were hunting for it because, like, I thought it was gonna be. All right, so I really like Magfest. They're really organized in some ways. They're really disorganized in in other ways. Like yep. I feel like their way their their reach out. The fact that they use Google Groups, I don't think is like a good platform. Like they should just take that entire like 
because they probably get the same questions every single year. Yeah. And I don't think their FAQ on the site regularly answers nearly enough questions. Nope. Like, just need a giant, like, I don't know how, how many pages, but just a giant packet of, like, this is everything you need to know. These are all the questions we've ever got. Like, and, but they kind of, like, send it out piecemeal and... and Tronster, um, who's the guy that that, that runs MIVs, was uh, was really talking about that exact thing. Like, hey, we really should just do like a like a front to back FAQ. Um, here are all the dumb questions you could possibly ask about right. being a MIVs participant, um, and you know, like here's here's where you can put your car when you're unloading. Um, for me, I thought they were slow on some stuff. Like, uh, I I really they're like, hey, you need to send your press kit in two days. And like the last press kit I had was from like six months ago and the right. game looked totally different. Like mm -hmm. it was before I even had like pallet swapping in the game and stuff like that. Um, and it was like, guys, like some people in this position of really need to get new stuff out, especially if like Mibs is the biggest thing they've put their game in. Yeah. They're like working down to the wire. Right. And two days is really not enough time. Um, you know, I, I didn't really voice that opinion, but at the same time, it's still just like, I, I really, it really looks like they're taking people's feedback and really trying to improve the experience. No, overall. no, I have, I have complete so, faith in them constantly wanting to do better. Yeah. But it, it was also very confusing. Like, all right, hectic, where yeah. am I supposed to get the information? And then like, even to like the public facing stuff with like the, the, the museum, I was kind of like, because when they talk about the Nintendo PlayStation, they say the Nintendo PlayStation is on display and like, the museum or said they used some terminology which was not associated with what the computing museum was called on the map and it was like super confusing i was like wait right. where is this thing and also there's like when like you how to find the nintendo playstation i was super yeah. stoked on this nintendo <laughs> playstation man you don't understand like looking at the thing i was like oh it was it like was awesome apparently they had it up and running the day before oh really wait like plugged into a tv and stuff yeah and they were wow. playing like it plays um it can play, it play as, super nintendo it games it can play super nintendo cartridges yeah. but they were using a different controller it's like the guy that owns it doesn't want you to touch it the controllers but well, yeah, I mean, they had one it up and kind, running. Yeah, I don't know why, because it wouldn't really play any differently than a Super Nintendo. But yeah, I'm bummed we didn't get to see that. But on yeah. Sunday, the guy who owns the thing is very protective, so he takes it back to his hotel room each night when he's not there. I mean, but on, I'm, I'm on like Sunday, that with my PC, so I could totally yeah, understand exactly. a, a so one of the kind thing. On Sunday, he slept in, and he didn't bring it downstairs, so I went up there to show Ian Oh, they have the Nintendo PlayStation, and it wasn't there. Yeah, oh, that so sucks. that was a bummer. But but all those guys in the computer museum were so nice, and they they owned all these computers. Well, and, one of them um, wasn't. Were you there when I had the? It might have been Tyler, but there was this one person we asked. And we're like, "Hey, we're looking for this." She's like, "I don't know. I just make sure sure no shit oh, gets stolen." I remember that? Um, <laughs> I was like, "Okay." Oh, I meant I was like too enraptured with like the. Oh, I'm gonna go play with the Sinclair 1000. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the 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 older guys who owned all the computers that yeah, were in there. No, they were, they yeah, there were, was some they, younger they staff happy. members that were just there for yeah. security, but um, the older guys, especially the guy that owned all the Macs, was awesome. All of or the all Macs. the Apple computers, yeah. So we played. The first thing you showed me in there is that you showed me the portable Commodore 64. Yeah, it's like a tiny ass. What was that? Like a with three the, inch screen. Yeah, with the uh, with the Jupiter, Jupiter Lander. Lander. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. That was, that was impossible. Well, <laughs> Kirk and I were just marveling at like, all right, they wrote this in assembly, like, um, or probably, yeah, it was probably assembly. Yeah. So you, so you, we you were, and I were talking about the collision. Yeah, and so yeah, and so I was like, how are they? How are they like doing pixel collisions and stuff? And like, um. And like, like Kirk and I were like, uh, they probably weren't using floaty point numbers for like the amount of fuel you have left. So it's just like an integer from like zero to 100 or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. 
um, which is really interesting. Should um, take up a lot less space. Yeah, and um, and so we were like just really blown away by like how would you write this? Like this game would be so easy to write by modern day standards, but how would you write it in assembly? Um, oh, like, that was really really yeah. cool. You and I were talking about like the the collision was probably like they did a pixel draw, like they did a line by line pixel draw, and if like right. the, the 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 spacecraft was drawn over uh, some sort of uh, the part of the the landscape. Right. And they probably recognize that as a hit. Right. Yeah. I think I think they probably just have um, a state a pixel can be in, which is like craft space, um, or like land. Yeah. Like ground. Th- yeah. Stuff that you can that, that'll kill you. And I think they just color the pixel based on the state, and then use that for the collection collision as well. So it's literally per pixel collision with like this like the the lander sprite. Uh huh. But like, I don't know. Like I, I I've never written assembly, so I'm super in over God, my depth. But like, <laughs> it's. It's uh, it's really crazy stuff. Uh, I had to read assembly for for school, but I've never. But it's funny because the way like we were looking at that, Wendy was playing Stardew Valley the other night, and she was like, "Cause you have like crates that you can like store stuff in, right? In this game, mm-hmm. and there's an organize button. You hit the organize, and it just organizes all the items you have in there. And she's like, "How are they organizing all the items in here?" I'm like, "She she goes, are they organizing it by color?" And I go, no, they're probably doing it by like uh, alphabetical, like alphanumerical, like organization, because like that would just be a string compare, right? And I say to her, it's like that would be way easier than you assigning like an RGB value to every single item in the game, Jesus, and yeah. then like finding like however in your crazy mind, like <laughs> how are like are you using like hex codes to like organize so it's like zero 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 is like the first slot, and then FFFFF is the very last slot. Is like that's how you. And she kind of looks at me, and she's like. You see, I don't know computer science, so I wouldn't know how difficult that would be, but you explaining that makes it sound way more difficult. And I'm like, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> organizing things by color is like just not something you would normally do, do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you have a very strongly uh, uh, color-based game. But also in there, the Timex Sinclair. Yeah. Which was probably... That the coolest hilarious. experience in there. These yeah. guys were glued to it for like good two hours while Tyler and I were. I was playing the the Magnavox. What it wasn't the Odyssey. I don't know what console from the fifties and the Vectrex and the Commodore sixty four and uh-huh. all the Apple computers. And these guys are still on the Sinclair. So all it is is just because like the the, the computers inside the keyboard. So you just plug it into a TV, and all you can do is write basic in it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and it's, the, it's literally well. It's funny. It, it looks cool, but it has really bad ergonomics, even for the time. Like compared to like it, like it, oh, the keys like are so bad. Like that right? Um, and and you can't actually type. Um, you can't actually type a command in basic. You have to press the yeah. Like so, you have to press the run key. Yeah. Um, which is also the R key. Yeah. Like you have to what, hit what like shift. You're holding. Yeah. Right, and it's like it's just like a piece of shit, but um, but. It, we were we were super into it, um, uh, even though there was like an XT right next to us and stuff like that. It was right. it was it was really cool because it was the tiniest one. Mm-hmm. It was so little. It was like uh, honestly had the footprint of like an Apple keyboard. Yeah, it looks like this wireless right. keyboard basically. Except yeah, except with way shittier keys. Yep. But like my finger because like you know QWERTY keyboards haven't have been around forever. Like like they've been around since typewriters. Mm-hmm. So like my fingers like. E- after using it for like 20 minutes, we're like already like getting that. Like my brain had already like associated the R key with run. So I was like already like yeah, getting so really like used get to it. The rhythm of pretty quickly. Like once you've used it, it's just the size. Like, cause like they're like half the size of regular key 
keyboard keys and it's just they're super skinny they're like little chiclets yeah and like you can super like miss keys and stuff and it gets frustrating mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh yeah that was cool and if so it came with the operating ma- manual and it was basically like a mini textbook because right. the way it spoke to you was like hey welcome to your first computer like now we'd like you to pause and take a moment to consider like the bright future ahead of you or something yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like it's almost like some of basic programming yeah it's like oh this is so cute like if a few words were changed it almost sounds like something you'd read in like fallout like it was yeah, very like it's adorable yeah like that 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 well i mean it was made in the 80s so like even then like 80s like cold war era like patriotism like american patriotism like we're so great like yeah uh like really interesting industrial complex but yeah so we like we started figuring out like how to do basic like operations for loops uh print print statements Mm -hmm. uh and then we learned strings i think that was probably why we ended up using that computer was because that was the only one that had the manual yeah like there was one right next to it and and didn't what the run right next to it was the xt that was the xt yeah and i hadn't i had i've only written basic once before that in my life um and so I just like didn't remember like how to do anything. Right. Um, so having the manual, I think was like, yeah, that was the most fun. It was like, cause it was, it was, you know, you were teaching yourself. Right. And then we finally got it to take inputs from the user. So I had it do ask the user what your name is. You would type your name and then it would say, welcome to MAGFest. Yeah. Plus your name. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was really impressive. I just wrote a little hello world, but that was like, <laughs> yeah, that one was really cool. Well, it's weird because like in order for a variable to recognize, take strings, it has to end in a dollar sign. Which took me a while to like get that right because I was like flipping through pages. I was like, okay, why is this string? Because it was like giving me a, a compilation error, and I was like trying to figure out why. I was like, oh, yeah, well, that's dumb, right? Like, like that is there's no holder for for that in in modern programming languages as far as I know. Like, I mean, outside um, maybe like maybe Perl or people people still use dollar signs like PHP does this. They still use dollar signs to signify a string, signify a variable, right? Um. But, and people use dollar signs, uh, what language is it where it's like the common paradigm is to, to, is to use a dollar sign to say that this is like a string variable. Oh, I'm but not I for, sure. I forget. But it anyways. might be in Perl because in Perl, um, I know if you, do, it, you, if you want a variable to be an array, it has to start with the at sign. Right. So, but anyways, yeah, it was really cool and, um, definitely, definitely a really fun experience. Um, it kind of like, I don't know, it, it, it was, it was, it was just, uh, even though the stuff we were doing was really simple, like. You made that that input program, and all I did was just like a you know, uh, for loop that that printed hello magfest like mm-hmm. five times or whatever. It was still like really really rewarding, more so than I've had in other programming, which is really strange to me. Yeah. But well, just because it really it's fun. like this this historical document, and like you know you hear about this stuff, and like to me at the very least, I think it's so it would be really cool to, to like. This might be a little little depressing, but it's like you think about like a post-apocalyptic scenario right. where like you're like the scavenger looking for like old used boards and you're like putting together this like 80s era computer that runs on basic and like you're getting it to work. It's like you're trying to use what fragments of knowledge you use. And it's, it's kind of like that. It's like you're, sure. you're it's like a time capsule. Right. Yeah. You have you're, you're like sort of it's not inherently hard to write basic. You're just it's it's the the figuring out how to interact with it that's fun. Also, I think we're ignoring the fact that they had the Tron soundtrack literally blasting. Yes. Yeah. Right <laughs> it got us so hyped got up. Us, like, super in the mood. That was my bad cuz I I was messing around with the Commodore 64 that had the Tron game in it and so um when you turn on the computer, you're just at a command line and you have to figure out how to launch these games. Yeah. It's not like a modern computer where you can just you click an click icon it, or yeah. anything. There's no there's no mouse. There's no nothing. So you have to type, you know, load, 
uh, load drive and then asterisk to like load whatever. And then you have to know what drive it is. But you have to put the drive's name in quotation marks. And that's like, that was the weirdest part to me that I could not figure out. But like you said, there was manuals with all these computers. So I was reading the manual and figured that out. So, um, but I just like the soundtrack. I didn't actually want to play it. But (laughs) the computer kind of near the Sinclair that I thought was really fascinating was the Coleco Atom, the one that had the typewriter or the style writer. Mm -hmm. Uh It's like an electronic typewriter that's connected to the computer's keyboard. So you're typing on the screen, but it's outputting to the keyboard. Wait, Um, so is it like a, like, I mean, IBM made word processors, which is where, which is like a typewriter with a screen and you type it on the screen and then hit enter and it'll like print it. No, this is a, it's a computer computer and it's made to use on your home TV. So you just plugged into a TV and then there's a um, printer or a typewriter attached to it that's printing out on like that's uh, pretty cool. the paper that has that those little holes on the edge that you tear off i don't know what that's right right, right. oh yeah i saw like that i dot saw that ma- computer dot matrix printer paper yeah. but i was i was reading about this computer and i um it was considered a dud and i thought this is it was super fast when you type something on the computer it would print on the printer pretty much instantaneously oh wow it was really fast and i but the computer itself was a huge dud because in order to use the computer, you had to have the typewriter plugged in all the time. Oh. And so if you lost that peripheral or if you couldn't find the cable or if it broke, couldn't use the computer. And yeah, people, that's, yeah, that's not good. I don't know why it was designed that way, but... Weird 80s stuff. <laughs> yeah. Because well, I remember talking to my mom once about... Because my mom is not really that technical. Like My parents have iPhones and stuff, but... You know, she grew up in the 80s and she would talk about how they had XTs at her uh, school and Apple IIs and stuff like that. And she said she never she never got into it because like because because the learning curve is so large because you're either programming in basic, you're, you're doing command line stuff. And like it makes so much more sense now that like it's so much easier for like kids to be into technology or programming languages and stuff in general because like there's a UI to start you off yeah. at the very basic level where back then if you were a kid you had to be really into computers and really be into oh, yeah. like trying that to figure works. that stuff out also i think it's like that the, the products themselves like the, like the software that you use today is so simple mm-hmm. to use like it's like the easiest thing ever but there's still um there's it still sort of bleeds through like how the program works behind it like you still sort of understand like if i click this button it goes to another screen right. and so you sort of like if you grow up using like like especially kids today, like we're growing up using iPads, they'll sort of understand, um, sort of cause and effect things like that, where, where like that's how a program should work, um, and when it doesn't, it's kind of like this dissonance, right? Yeah, exactly. And so and so they they already know what they're making, right? Like they already like know what to model, um, and I think that's that's definitely like a big reason why it's so easy for kids to get into it now, is because they already understand. Yeah, Mason talks about a lot how like his his little brothers, um, any screen they think is a touch screen. Yeah. So like try touch TV screens and stuff because they're just, you know, they're attuned to that and they're taught to think that way. Oh, you know, how I had that huge, uh, I really wish I could find someone to do this, but, but for, for my booth, I had that vertical TV rig that I made, which was more or less like a, like a coffee shop sign that you'd see on a sidewalk yeah, with yeah, a yeah. TV. Like a marquee. Basically. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and people would just come and like start punching it. Just like try to get, yeah. Try well, because like, the table next to your RPG arcade, they had, they a, had a touch big screen. Touch screen. Yeah, yeah. I asked them how they did that, and they were like, "It's just a touchscreen TV." And I didn't somehow didn't know touchscreen TVs are a thing. It's like a Lenovo TV. It's really, really strange. But I, w- I thought they like custom fabricated that thing. But 
Well, I do want to. I do want to make um, Tomas. Um, can't remember his last name. He's the guy that did Black Emperor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he. Uh, we talked for a long time, and he convinced me to make an arcade cabinet for Silent Earth. I think arcade. Like I've never. I've seen pictures of Will's Red Shift Blue Shift cabinet, and I mm-hmm. think arcade cabinets would be really cool. It'd be cool, like to make it modular in a sense that, like, you just load different games into it all the time. So you yeah. just have like a remote games branded one. Right. And then whenever you want to just load stuff into it. That's true. That's actually, yeah, Thomas and I were talking about that, like um, how we're sort of seeing a, a resurgence of the arcade scene a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really popular in like New York. Um, yeah, with like barcades and things like that. Barcades, but like indie games and arcades are a thing where we made an indie game um, and the way it works is the arcade pays you to like have it mm-hmm. and they like pay rent on the, on the cabinet. But only your game is showing at this one arcade. So they're like paying for the exclusivity. Right. Um, and so a lot of indie developers now, uh, or maybe not a lot, it's still pretty, pretty small movement. Um, like Tomas was telling me about how, like, that's, that's what he's doing with, um, Bumble. Um, what's their, it's his publisher. So you're talking oh, about? Yeah. It, the, I forget that the, they're the, uh, killer queen guys. Yeah. They're um, called like Bumble something games. But yeah, uh, that's what he's doing for black emperors. He's just like, he just wants to like give it to arcades. Right. Um, and I thought, I thought that's such a cool concept, right? Like, like what if we just you know, make an arcade game, um, which is, which is pretty cool because then you can do like customized controls and stuff. And like your own custom control service is such a whole design thing in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, trackball and joystick and a, yeah. Yeah, like, like, um, like black Emperor had that freaking, uh, it's like a skateboard wheel. Yeah. It was like for lo- like a longboard yeah. type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one arcade button. Yeah. And that was like such a unique control service. You're not going to find that anywhere else, but that's literally the best way to play black emperor yeah. is mm-hmm. with that, that rolly, the, with the wheel. Um, that said, I do want a home version of Black Emperor. I do want a home version of Black Emperor too. <laughs> but I like the idea of making of an indie game that's only for arcades. That's a cool idea. I do too. I, yes, yeah. I love arcade games. It's because I grew up in an arcade. Basically, my mom would dump us off at the mall, and I would just hang out in the arcade all day. And it's this. It's a very social thing, and um, it's fun just getting to smash buttons, and you can kind of do that at home on an xbox controller but there's nowhere near as satisfying as um slam city oracles was one of the cabinets there right um and that was an nyu guy right girl girl sorry yes My bad. <laughs> but yeah um so it it basically has one big button kind of like that that was easy button from staples mm-hmm. there's a big huge button looks like one of those night lights you buy those stick on night yeah. lights it's does, so satisfying you just slam it you slam it with your fist does it does it interact like one of those buttons like does it stick and like pop back out or like is it no it, push it like an arcade feels button? like an arcade button yeah just picture yeah i mean literally it's like the action of arcade button but like way bigger four inches across yeah okay. it's huge that sounds great stick on night <laughs> light things. i saw i saw them carton it out of the 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 expo hall when i had my car parked and i was just sitting there because Sam was getting some stuff. I'm just like watching all these people like cart like these weird like Japanese arcade machines and then like yeah. Slam City Oracles came down. I'm like, that looks cool. I wonder what that is. Yeah. yeah. So I, I love all those physical games they had in the arcade. So they had the, the indie arcade and there was a bunch of cabinets in there, but they also had the non-indie arcade. So it had tons and tons of Konami games and uh, a lot of rhythm games. Taiko Drum really Master. Taiko Drum Master. Uh, Beat Mania, where you're waving your hands that over was weird. sensors. That was Mania is goofy. That was I freaking me it. out. I had so much fun playing Time that. Crisis. Time Crisis. That's There's, what I was yeah. intended for. And Time Crisis had, 2, I think. At the back of the room, they had a bunch of these machines called Jukube. J-U-Cube. I saw those. And um, It's like an array of like nine squares or something. It's Yeah, 16 squares. And um, at first, I had no idea how to play. Everything 
a lot of those machines Yoshi were Charlie. Japanese, so they yeah. don't have like you're skimming the instructions and yeah but gq i think it's i think it's what it is yeah that's wildly popular in japan yeah, yeah. but i've never seen it here mm. there apparently they don't exist here and you can only find it at magfest that's oh, well. what that's what um brian was telling me anyway but um so it's a it's a rhythm game and you pick your song and each of the squares has a little i don't know if it's one big screen and they're all just kind of layered on top of it but each one will light up with a pattern and you have to hit them to the beat and um, the first two or three hits I got, I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. But then as soon as you understand what's going on, like it takes seconds to pick it up and play That's it. That's cool. That's what I love about arcade games is that you can just pick it up and play it and like mess up and then figure it out and then you're okay again. And the unique, like you were saying, Sam, like unique, like interface methods. Yeah, the interface like is really, really interesting. I would like to see that. Like if they try to bring that over to the West, I want to see like a WarioWare brand in one of those and see if like yeah, each cool. one's like a mini game and you gotta like go through it yeah warrior Wear arcade cabinet would probably be like like dream come true for me that would be <laughs> there's a po- be the best thing ever there's a poking tournament uh cabinet that i kind of wanted to play but yeah i didn't play much stuff like i mean i played <laughs> like the this the few things i did play i got super into but i didn't play like i barely touched the arcade i saw video ball in the indie arcade i was like oh video ball and i didn't play it but Mm-hmm. I played oh, a lot so of DDR because <laughs> there's there's no DDR ca- DDR cabinets around here. There's one at like GeForce Carts that has the sound turned off. What? And was, yeah, it's it's an outrage. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm still like, angry about I'm it. I'm waving my hands and like knocking the mic around. But yeah, it's it's totally terrible because that's that's what I loved to do when I was in middle school. Is go to the mall, hang out with like the goth kids that are wearing. <laughs> Capes and vampire and teeth big, and big stuff. Chain. Yeah, big big chains and cargo. top hats and coats. Like goofiest kids ever, but um but just hang out in that arcade and you'd put a quarter up on the machine if you wanted to play right. next. People do that with pinball too, but uh, oh they had so many pinball games. Yeah, did you see that amazing Spider Man? I'm really bad at pinball. pinball. I learned that in Magfest. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm yeah. secretly very good at pinball. Oh no. I, Not um, secret anymore. <laughs> I was playing with these two guys and they were they were pinball fanatics, and you know how like you can distinguish people who never play pinball from people who play a lot of pinball because people who never play pinball are like normally adjusted human beings and people yeah <laughs> well also newbies they always hit both both bumpers at once uh-huh. or both, uh, yeah. Things at yeah, once. yeah 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 and also the guys who are really good at it they'll tilt the machine or you know wiggle it without tilting it yeah, yeah. so so that's is they that move, illegal if if you move it too far it'll it say tilt, tilt and okay. it'll lock the the flippers and so that's like, and how does it recognize this so like a motion said, sensor so in you, it? You don't know enough about pinball. To I know, know the tilt concept. <laughs> I know the tilt concept from like old Looney Tunes cartoons where they would like yeah. make a joke based around pinball and yeah. there would be like a tilt sign would come up. So uh, there was this one machine and I was playing with these two guys. It was a Sopranos machine and it was in perfect condition. It was such a fun game. So there's different missions that you can choose to go on. So one ramp is a mission. It's, every pinball what? game is like this. I don't. Yeah. But people I don't, understand. don't. People don't know how to play pinball. They you just think gotta you just get hit the, the thing ball. in the hole, right? But Let's... no, there's different missions, and if you, you know, if you complete the mission at Satrial's Pork Store, then you get upgraded <laughs> to associate level, and then eventually you work your way up to capo, and then big boss. Does guy. that mean you get more points? Like what is that? Yeah, it, okay. like it's a point multiplier. So I got a triple ball at one point. So I have three balls at the ball. same time. Yeah, and this guy was like, damn. This girl's really good at pinball, but then I totally blew it and he won. So Damn. it's but he tilted the machine on his first ball. That's all he's like, ah, this guy knows what he's doing. Damn. Is it hard <laughs> for you to tilt a machine, Ruthie? 
Um, I don't do it. I just am scared because if you tilt it too much, I mean, if you <laughs> Ruthie just picks up the machine and throws like, it across for high the level room. Players, um, from what from what my friend was telling me, for high level players, tilting machines like an extra like risk reward thing, right? Yeah. Like like it's just can, weird. As, so the physicality of that risk reward system yeah. is just right. like I'm afraid I'm gonna like shatter the glass or something, right? But they do it. It's crazy. They do it. So if you're yeah. if the ball's heading straight down the middle and you know your flippers can't hit it, you, you can just wiggle just the machine, push it, and so yeah. But you have to have the quick reflexes to do that. Mm. And I, I don't usually do that. Only if it's coming straight down the middle and I can tell and you don't have a free ball. That you're with it? Yeah. yeah. Mm. The, the, the idea of motion in machines just always freaks me out because I'm you're kind of taught to like not move stuff, like electronics. Yeah. So like the fact that so... Well, that's, what the, well, that's why the tilt is in there programmatically. Like, yeah. So you don't do that. So you don't wiggle it enough to break it i think <laughs> i wonder like how that works you think there's like some sort of like like spring or something that like moves whenever you you move the machine and like it hits a sensor yeah because it can't like be that. a motion sensor at least in the older ones yeah or like a um like the the, the way accelerometers they used to do them is they just have like a ball bearing inside a thing uh-huh um and that can like bump into stuff yeah, i think that's exactly that's, what that's exactly is. what i was yeah. thinking of. so um. there's a great pinball machine in town if you're in richmond um, if you go to Strange Ways Brewing and go in that weird back room, there's a Ghostbusters machine, Ooh. and it's in great condition. And um, the funnest little peripheral in it is uh, Slimer, so you can hit him and he jiggles around and stuff. <laughs> so in the Sopranos one, there was a big fish head, and you could shoot it into the fish's mouth, and it would animate. Have you um Have you seen the Tron pinball machine? No, I haven't. Nope. The Tron pinball machine has a Tron arcade cabinet about like two inches tall that, <laughs> that I'm not going to say it works, but it has a working LED screen on yeah. it that like plays like little little screen, uh, little images as you play it. This, so it's like this yeah. super tiny Tron cabinet inside this huge pinball thing. I That's love really all cool. the animations and the sound. The Ghostbusters one is like, and then, but the Sopranos one, it had so many pieces of dialogue from the uh, from the yeah. series if you if you're hitting the little bumpers at the top you know if you hit 15 of them you get upgraded or whatever but he's it's like tony soprano give me your fucking money and then it'd be like carmella be like come to dinner tony and all these it was just hilarious i i couldn't i couldn't stop playing i was supposed to be at my booth but <laughs> but <laughs> I, I wasn't stop. was tyler it was, there no, it was just me and and two randos. That... No, I meant it was Tyler at your booth. Oh, I don't know. Oh, okay. It, my booth was kind of self service enough that I could get away that, from it. That's like, also what I yeah. want. I want a kind of self manageable booth. So if I need to walk away, I can do so. That is without... hard to do when you don't like. Like if you have, if you know, if you've play tested all your features and you're not looking for new designs, like for right. a new th- new way to modify the design of your game then you can do that. But like in my case, I like wanted to leave so much just to go like, you know, get coffee or like, you know, play at the arcade or something. But it was just like, but then I'm, I'll miss out on this play test and that's like valuable information. So it's hard to do, yeah. you know, for sure. Yeah. So definitely have a teammate. Sam and I are, we were kind of lone guns on both of our games. Yeah. So definitely have a teammate. Like mm-hmm. Mason can't make the Raleigh one. So Wendy's coming and then I asked Will if he can give us a, Give us a hand. So. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, anything else at MAGFest you guys want to talk about? Hmm. Trying to think. Covered. Let's talk about... I actually got two topics. A, let's talk about drinking <laughs> at MAGFest. Not, I'm not trying to out anyone, but let's just talk about the general. So I'm not a big drinker, 
And like I didn't know how much of a party scene this was. Yeah, when they oh, said it was stupid. Dude. They said it was twenty four seven convention. I was like, oh, okay, I said it probably like dies at night or whatever. No, no it does. It gets even it ramps more up. crazy. Yeah. So there's like raves going on all night. There's panels at three, four, five a.m. And there's, I mean, everything. The arcades, everything's open. And the big, the big room full of board games. They have every board game imaginable. Every console game imaginable in a filing cabinet you can just check out so. so i didn't know that room existed i thought it stopped i thought the wings were the arcade us the the mivs area yeah. and then the 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 sellers i didn't know there was a fourth wing yeah there was like, all the rental stuff it yeah. was like 200 uh crt tvs in there, there was, yeah. yeah it was ridiculous yeah i mean we probably all got radiation poisoning just from doing <laughs> yeah <laughs> um no nah, it's uh that was really cool i i liked uh getting just destroyed by Tyler in and uh, Battle Tech. Oh, uh, what was that game called? No, it was, called, it was Mech Warrior or something. No, it wasn't Mech Warrior. That's I think like, it was called Battle Tech. Let me. I wrote it down. I think it was called like Battle Tech Firestorm or something. Because because I'm a I freak and I pretty generic to, name. But it, Tyler <laughs> messaged me on Slack later and was like, "So I did some research on this thing. Like, of course you did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and he said and he said that uh. Battletech um, Firestorm is the name of the game. Battletech Firestorm. Yeah. Jesus. Um, but he, that sounds like that sounds like one of those sh- those shitty like Chinese Counter-Strike. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Chris Evans and like the mech for like the promotional shot. Yeah. Jesus. But anyways, um no, he told me that those are the last of those pods that exist. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So it was a company that was really popular in like 2005 or something. Yeah. Um, I know the game's old. And they it did they did well for a while, but they're it's very like cost prohibitive very expensive i mean obviously it was free for us because we would magfest tickets right. and you know um, the electricity the draw, paid for them right and so they're just like super expensive lots of upkeep expensive to play um and microsoft bought them out and that's what became mech warrior like that's where mech warrior came from ah okay yeah um yeah tyler had the it. he had the advantage of having played mech warrior or whatever right. yeah. so he knew all Which the descendant yeah, he knew all the different characters you could play as. I mean, to me, looking at it, I'm not into mech stuff at all. No, I just no, see not. like, mm-hmm. oh, there's there's a small robot, a big robot. I don't really care yeah. what the difference is. I just let them pick, and um, it was really fun. I really liked the, I don't know, being in a pod with a joystick so kind of gets you into it. There's a big line, and there's like, what, 10, 15 pods? And what you do it's is 10. it's it's a multiplayer mech game where you get your own individualized pod where you sit in it and you have no like context of anything like of of any other players except for what you see on this big screen which is like deep set within the pod so you like expect it to be like stereoscopic 3d because so it's not it's just set (laughs) far back and there's like a bunch of so there's like a basic mode and like an advanced play mode and they set it to basic because there's like pedals and a joystick and a throttle and all these There's buttons, a million buttons. On, on the dashboard. But when they set it to basic, you don't use the pedals. And all you do is use the throttle uh, to move back and forth. And then you uh, have the joystick to aim and, and fire your like primary and secondary fire. And then like if your mech that you chose, because you choose your mech at the very beginning, like Laser Quest, where you say, this is my tag name and this is the yeah. mech I want. Yep. Uh, and then some of the mechs have like... Uh, uh, booster jets on them and you can hit this button and the placement of that button sucks because you have to take <laughs> your hand off the throttle to like reach across and you can't tell where the button is so sometimes oh, you the hit the wrong jets. yeah 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 it's like like it's so weirdly removed from yeah. the rest of the interface it's so like funny. that game would be cool if they like streamed it down 
and put because I just think the button placement yeah, in that pod simmy. sucks. Yeah, it's too simmy. Yeah, it's, it's like Steel Battalion but inside of a pod. It's like um, like there's that uh, Kirk and I were talking about this. Is that like kart racing game in the arcade? And it's like a realistic cart with like pedals and a steering wheel and everything uh-huh. that you sit in. And like you try to play it and like just turning makes you spin all over the place because yeah. you're not doing it like perfectly simulatedly right. Right. And it's like. That's not fun. Yeah. I mean like that's not why I'm in an arcade. Like make the, make affordances to make this fun. Yeah. You know, like you don't need to. I, I just now wrap stuff. my head around pole position. So come on. Give me. Pole position's fun. Pole position is. I used to hate game. pole position. Like I would have nightmares wrapped around the sound. Prepare to qualify. <laughs> but like now i like actually like i played pole position the way you're supposed to play it like in an arcade and i had like a lot more fun with pole position because yeah. i understand like throttling and shit like that now yeah pole positions yeah i think i i definitely think that um that's another thing sort of about like why arcade games are sort of uh sort of have like this unique like like playing an arcade is the best way to play an arcade game that was like designed for it. Right. Um, and you can totally still design games for that in like compelling ways and stuff. But like playing like you said like pole position, playing the arcade is the only way you're supposed to play that. Or like like uh, or even Lunar Lander. Like that, what, what about like that damn like rowing game? Yeah. Like yeah. Thing. Like There's where a, are, what other context are you gonna play that in? We had That's that silly. at my mall arcade growing up and and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like two people sitting next to each other and they have like is it. Do they have the same paddle? Like they're sharing yeah, the paddle? Yeah, it's just one thing, paddle. And it's on one axis. So you yeah. have to like do this. Like, so if I'm down here, the other person has up, to be up. Right. So you have to synchronize your. Right. Yeah. But to steer, you have to like sink the paddle in the water. Ah, so it's much it. easier with one person controlling the paddle. You know, yeah. Mason and I actually might be <laughs> okay at that since we rowed. Like it's not the same type of rowing, but just yeah, the fact that we understand like, okay, this takes us to port. This takes us to starboard. Like. Might be able to better understand. Yeah, it. so well, it's design a, wise, it's kind of like a dumb game, right? Like, like yeah, it's, it's like just so like look how stupid if yeah. you're playing that on like an Xbox controller yeah. or something in your in your house. But just because you're in the arcade, like banging this paddle around. Like, it's really <laughs> well, to be fair, yeah. there is a Mario Party mini game that's basically oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and uh, you're like rotating the analog stick around and well, burning, there's that one, burning but, up your hand. Well, there's one in four, I think, where it's like each person is basically right next to each other, and like you have to pull a trigger. Oh yeah, and, and there's you fire stroke. blasting out the walls and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I played that over Christmas break with yeah, my little sister. <laughs> yeah. I like Mario Party Four. Hey, remember when I kicked you guys' ass on um, Mario Kart 64? You did. Yeah. I yep. forgot how shitty Mario Kart 64 is. I had like shitty. like I had like really like good memories of Mario Kart. <laughs> and then I'm like, "What? This isn't 64." Like 64 looked way better than it this. It looks better in one player, but when you're playing four player split screen, think about the resolution. It's 480, right? right. 480 pixels wide. And then divide by divide 4. Divide by 4. So So 1 120. 120 pixels for one person. Yeah, it's it's very small and hard to see. Are the characters sprites or are they models? They are sprites. That's what I thought. They're sprites. I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought they were models. There's, there's like a uh, sixteen different angles or something right. like that. Right, and they're just leaning back and forth mm-hmm. or whatever. Wow, there's so much I like misinterpreted about Mario Kart just as a kid. Yeah, it's because it's really good. Yeah, like for its time, like, it's really fun. Very impressive. That's the best battle mode. Across any of the Mario Karts, in my opinion, I mean, I like Double Dashes, yeah. but Double Dash is pretty good. I think the the, the Mario Kart sixty four has some like uh, this is gonna sound stupid, but it, like the maps are really dated. <laughs> like, yeah, like the one that you can just fall off of, like in Rainbow oh. Road. 
yeah. the Santa's everyone, everyone was like, that. "Don't play." Everyone says, "Don't play Rainbow Road." And then I select Rainbow Road, and like the first like big hill that you go down, if you don't drive perfectly straight, you just fly straight was, off. Yeah, yeah, I was just bitching the whole time. <laughs> I'm like, "Don't you know this? Didn't you play this a thousand times like I did?" I just, but... <laughs> yeah, I guess I forgot. Yeah. Also, oh, the rubber banding in that is really bad because if you're in last, there's like no way you're gonna ke- get, catch up to the pack. Yeah. I mean, I think there is because. So that so in four player mode there is no like rubber banding as far as speeding you up right like there is I mean there in, is in item ru- rubber banding but you get you get you get better items so you get stars and you get blue shells and stuff like that but you still have to be competent at playing it oh I'm sorry I'm not competent I mean <laughs> that's not what I meant but get good man <laughs> but if like if you've never played it before and you pick it up and you're in last place like there's you're not gonna get into first place right. So, but the new Mario Karts, I feel like it really gives you those good items, like the chain chomp thing that puts you in first place, basically. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of, I mean, it's better for newer players, but to me, I don't, I don't like that. I like to be in first place the whole time <laughs> and not lose. Ruthie's super competitive. <laughs> like it's, it's weird. Like Ruthie kind of like stays submerged with her competitiveness sometimes but like when it erupts it's like I'm, oh god yes. i'm extremely competitive <laughs> like there was one ludum dari where she was just like i'm going to win i'm going oh, to no, win i, I, I never like, i never win ludum dari but <laughs> but you were like super I, I don't know if it was the this little piggy one but there was one where you were just like i'm gonna kill all of you and i'm gonna win i was like oh god but that's what I love about arcade games and local multiplayer games. Because <laughs> you can see their face yeah. when they lose. Because I love to trash talk. I love to win. There's so many good things about arcade. Well, and, and Mario Kart 64, I think I, I think it sounds like what you like about that is that if you're as good as the person in first, you can get in the first. Like the game right. is yeah. fair and gives you that opportunity. But if whoops, if uh, if you're in if you're playing like Mario Mario Kart 8, mm-hmm. like. And you get that stupid chain chomp item. It's like, I, what are you talking about? Like, they didn't deserve that. It doesn't feel they they Mario yeah. party good for the person. It only like so so in Mario Kart sixty four. It feels good for the person who got beat because it's like, oh wow, you really pulled that off. That was really cool. Uh-huh. But like, in, well, I didn't feel that because it, I just like slipped once and I was like in the last place the entire right. time. Like I was literally like four. Like I was like like you don't feel like so robbed like you do uh-huh. in like. Okay. Mario yeah, Kart 8. Yeah. You know. Um Yeah, they they like Mario partied up Mario Kart by adding more gimmicks to it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The um they're bringing back actual battle mode to the Nintendo Switch version of Mario Kart 8. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, like cuz Mario Kart 8 on the Wii U, the battle mode is really shitty cuz they just use the, yeah, ra- the race course. Yeah. It's courses. just a race track, but some people are going backwards and some people are going forwards. Yeah. And it's like It's really bad. What is that? But they added actual like battle maps to the one for yeah, Switch. Yeah, if there's not balloons Damn. you can it Makes me want to switch. Yeah, now you just got spend another $300 on Nintendo's next yeah, possibly maybe. failure console. But I, I do what Oh no. <laughs> what? How can you say that already? <laughs> the Nintendo Switch is launching with the fewest games out of any Nintendo launch and its release hmm. window. And I'm not saying that, say, like, because I think... Uh, yeah, but Breath of the Wild, baby. I, but, what, but I have a but Wii U. Do they, like, do they also have virtual console? And But that that but shouldn't you're like, matter. You're, like, you're, you own <laughs> Wii U makes you minority, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> you know? But, like, I, I, I hate that Nintendo keeps resting on its laurels with the Super Nintendo and the Nintendo catalog because now they're going to do a PlayStation Plus equivalent where it's like every month you get a new 
SNES or NES game, which is cool, but it's like, how about you just give me any game from like, don't just limit it to like these two times. Like, hey, remember when we were top dog? Like, yeah. maybe I want a GameCube game in that. Which well, also, Sony has has that service right now where you can literally stream like PSX games right to your, your to your PC for PlayStation Now. Yeah, and and that's way better than getting. Oh, here is like Earthbound. Yeah, just this. That's what you get this month. Here's you Donkey know, Kong Jr. again. You know, and and there's nothing. Playing playing retro classics like that is cool, but you're right. You're like, I hear you about the resting on their on their laurels thing. I I think the only thing dumb about their release, like e- even despite the small uh the small library to start, um, is that it comes with like why can't I buy it without the dock? The dock should be an accessory. The dock is ninety dollars by itself. I know it's so, crazy. So why not just make it two hundred and ten dollars? And you buy the dock separately. Like that's why? yeah, but, that's kind of what the, they did with the 3ds. They don't even include a power cable with it. But also the dock, it's it's just, the 3ds. Yeah, yeah. The the new 3ds, that <laughs> one crazy. didn't come with a charger. Doesn't come with a charger. I had to I had to keep my old charger. So, so it's, that's I insane. mean that's kind of yeah. what you're. I mean, it's like charger's a bit much. I, I, <laughs> yeah, no. But, I mean, if the, I mean, if the dock truly is the only way to charge it or something like that, that's but it's, that's it, it's not flaw. But like, I mean, it uses USB C to like to charge it there's like a there's a power cord that you can just plug straight into the tablet part yeah but well i mean i think it would, i think it would behoove nintendo to acknowledge that not everyone wants to plug that into their tv right even though they want nintendo's super it's almost like apple like they're super big yeah, on like thrusting the holistic nintendo experience down your throat or whatever like mm-hmm. you have to have the entire thing you can't just be like no i don't want to use it on my tv you know right so so but like, also my, my argument is that like that dock shouldn't be 90 dollars because there's nothing in there except an hdmi out and like a power converter like it should not cost $90 the cost of that is equivalent to Apple charging you $80 for a new MacBook charger yeah I agree which they do which they do (laughs) which I've had to buy twice right no I mean I I I think the dock's a little dumb and I I I don't know I still want to switch because it's cool yeah I still I pre-ordered it like the worst use case for those controllers is in the like when it's the, in the 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 cradle the cons like the yeah. NES mode where you've got where you you like split it and give it like one oh yeah, yeah yeah that's like the worst way to use doesn't it. look doesn't look ergonomic or comfortable at all yeah there's like points where your thumbs bump it's like I maybe uh, you just need smaller thumbs maybe like mine Ruthie's advice you should get <laughs> smaller thumbs I don't yeah. know I still pre-ordered it because a I had a three hundred dollar Best Buy gift card and oh, you pre-ordered whoa it? yeah nice that's awesome um, nice. and uh, I don't know. It's it's gonna come out around my birthday as like happy birthday to me. Plus, I did not buy the Wii U. I I kind of gotten every other console from Nintendo. Yeah, mm-hmm. I bought the Wii U because I really want Super Mario Maker, and I think Super Mario Maker alone justifies the purchase of a Wii U. Um, yeah, and it's I gonna bought, be yeah, it's gonna be hard them bringing it to Switch because it's not gonna have it's a capacitive touch touchscreen, so you'll be using your fingers. It's not gonna be that big of a deal, but I feel like the stylus really helps in. Uh, Super Mario Maker. Yeah, the other, the only other thing I'm worried about is that it's. It seems like Nintendo still has this like really problem with like super schizophrenic controls, where like we're like, hey, we have motion control and we have touchscreen, yeah. yeah, and we have normal like you know, uh, like controller inputs, um, and it's there's going to be a lot of games that Nintendo pressure like Nintendo pressures the developers like, hey, make it do all that right, and that's like. 
Well, that's why there's like, like just barely know. any third party support. Like, what third party third party games? Like, they're like, here's here's one two switch. Here's Super Mario Odyssey, which isn't coming out until holiday. Here's Breath of the Wild, and then I think they said, and also Skyrim. Well, and okay, well, the Unity's. Uh, is going to support the Switch. Oh, I know, I, I know they are. I'm just saying, like, out of the gate, what third-party support. At least, like, Wii U, Wii U had Zombie U. It had, right. like, that weird Batman Arkham City, like, weird edition. It had right. Mass Effect 2. It had, like, these weird, like, announcements. Right. But, like, for Switch, there's nothing. Well, right. ho- hopefully with all the different ways to play, so you can play on a touchscreen, you can play with two controllers, you can play with one controller, you can play with motion... Hopefully people use that as options rather than forcing you to. I think they did learn from games like Star Fox on Wii U where it forces you to use motion control. Yeah, to and the do. accelerometer. Yeah, and I'm, and that got a lot of bad reviews yeah. for that. So hopefully they've learned from that and they, they let you use that as an option. Because that's, that's what the commercial implied, that you can play it at home on your TV or you can play it on a taxi or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Play so, it on your rooftop party. Totally. Yeah, I love that part. <laughs> so, so stupid. I, thought, I thought Clash Cup would be uniquely suited to be on the Switch. Using the tablet? No, using the using the the, using oh, the little, individual control. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cuz just that. move and hit is It's like, yeah, it's yeah. it's movement and then one button input. Oh no, and there's the specials. But still, that's But there's uh, like well, shoulder, yeah. there's yeah. like built-in shoulder buttons. So, yeah, for, they just need movement and two buttons, so yeah, it'd yeah. be perfect. Yeah, I think it works. It's like so multiplayer focused. Yeah. And so, like bite size, like it's like it's like Smash turn, uh, Smash round, like you just play it. Mm-hmm. See, that's kind of why I want to switch for the new Smash uh, Brothers, Smash Smash Brothers game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but mm-hmm. like that's gonna that's a ways off yet. Yeah, I, and, and Sakurai, the like the, the the director for Smash Brothers since it started, has been like, but he almost like died when they were making Smash Brothers for the Wii U. Really, like, just from stress and just like not sleeping. And stuff like he drives like he Actually, works himself into the ground wow for every smash brothers Tell which is why that, they're man. great yeah but like it's just like dude yeah jesus well uh, um that's the only reason i've ever bought nintendo consoles is for smash brothers. For smash brothers yeah i mean well like not not the only but like but it's that's a good reason type about is like, smash brothers on you know. 3ds is really good yeah i like yeah. smash brothers on 3ds i was like this 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 is melee like you did it like you made a modern melee i'm all on board Right. No more stupid like motion gimmicks or stuff. Or the trip mechanic, you know, the trip mechanic that was in Brawl. So dumb. Yeah, it <laughs> seems like it seems like whenever Nintendo tries a new control scheme, there's always some games that really try and use it awkwardly. Like, do you guys remember Red Steel? Yep. No. It was a shooter, it's the like first person shooter. Game. Um, yeah. And and it's a first person. Did Ubisoft shooter. make that? That was an Ubisoft game. Okay. Yeah. Jesus. R.I.P. But <laughs> the way you play is you move with the nunchuck. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and it's it's a Wii game and and you point your gun with yeah. the controller okay and like that includes like sniper rifles where like you you hit the C button to like zoom yeah. in. and so you're just like trying to get it there's perfectly there's no aligned. holding your breath on that yeah, yeah I had this surgery game on the original Wii where you had to perfectly make incisions on people that are shaped like little stars uh-huh. or whatever it was impossible because I don't have a steady enough hand mm-hmm. and this is before the extension that goes on the bottom oh of the, the Wii Wii motion plus yeah the Wii motion mm-hmm. plus so it was like even more inaccurate yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. brutal not fun yeah that's why i hate skyward sword because there were too many motion gimmicks like yeah. i stopped playing skyward sword i was like i can't like i have a Wii motion plus and it's still not recognizing these with enough fidelity so fuck this yeah, <laughs> yeah i never played skyward sword i played twilight princess and twilight princess is really good that's wait that's the last one i played do you do you have a 3ds no okay 
So you didn't play Link Between Worlds? Nope. I need to get that one. I heard it's really well. I mean, I played it. It's really good, but well, people really like it. Mm-hmm. But I'm not a Link to the Past guy, so. It's something about the old games where the, the puzzles are so engaging, and I feel like they missed the boat on that with Twilight Princess, and I didn't feel like the puzzles yes. were as good. I it took me a long time to get through Twilight Princess. I breezed through Link Between Worlds because mm-hmm. I think the way they they ramped that up was good. Well, there's there's always that like everyone always talks about like that that one panel that Phil Fish and John Blow did, where like Phil Fish was like super mean to that one. Was it? It was like you, Japanese games suck. Yeah, he's like your games, your country's right. games suck. And I don't, I, and 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 not to like quote that, I, I, but I do sort of agree with him that like the Legend of Zelda games got like to the like. So I played Wind Waker recently because I'd never played Wind Waker, right? Mm-hmm. And I also played like, um, the I was I've also played like the really old Zelda games, um, like one and two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like Link's Awakening. That's a really good one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Wind Waker definitely felt like this game's kind of making fun of me like it's, it feels like it felt like felt like it was like treating me like an idiot uh-huh um just because of like a slow rollout of the mechanics or because no of... like oh what could be behind that big crack in the wall you know like, yeah. da, 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 da. you know like and and it's just like there's no the, the 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 cool thing about uh link's awakening is that's like or at least what i remember from a kid and i'm probably looking at it with rose tinted glasses is that um it was very intimidating to go to sort of like leave the town in right. that game and to like go out and like try and try and accomplish something um and if you found a secret it felt like you it felt like you found it like you're the only one that's ever seen this mm-hmm. but when the game is literally like spelling it out for you like if you go here you'll be rewarded it's it's like a little yeah you know um and i have really high hopes that nintendo is getting away from that in breath of the wild especially considering they're changing the formula so much yeah because with, like, it is open, more open worldy yeah. did you guys see the trailer for it for the yeah this week I yeah. cried basically it was like <laughs> i forgot i forgot that they were doing voice acting so when zelda started talking i was like wait wait what's going on it's like huh oh man so good is it I like princess peach in mario 64 where she's like mario i'm making you a cake and it's obviously like someone talking in falsetto <laughs> it's a little it's a it's, unfortunately it is a little bit like that but it's, it's but i think it's a, i think it's better I think like it's a better performance, but also like it's very like there's a part where she cries and she's like crying on crying on Link's shoulder, and I was kind of like, okay, why are we highlighting this part? And I hope it's because we want to highlight the drama that's going to be in this, and we're not highlighting. Look at Zelda; she's a woman; she's crying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So but I, I did like her design a lot. I saw maybe a preliminary amiibo or something like that of the new Zelda, and she's she's not wearing a dress. She's no, she's like, like a tunic. A, yeah. Yeah. Much like Link, not a green tunic, but you know, like yeah. the modern Link. Right. Um, and I thought, and she wasn't in a suggestive position, you know, where they like twist their body around so both their face and their butt are showing at With the same time. With their giant like elbow long like uh, gloves. Yeah. And not, she's like doing like the pageantry like hands. Yeah, they weren't emphasizing her body at all. It was just like her face and her outfit i don't know like she looked like she was going on an adventure right. and peach i thought that weird. was cool yeah yeah peach is i don't know peach is a princess she gets like a, a excuse but zelda i mean yeah. she has a little more action than peach is like oh no i've been captured again i did play the the um i found lauren's collection of ds games recently mm-hmm. that like i just didn't know that she had and there's like, super princess peach yeah she had super princess peach on the ds that game is pretty good actually yeah I had a it looked it looked that. good I, I never played it but I, I liked it it is very simple it's definitely geared for like 
for like um it, it it really feels like nintendo's trying to get like young girls come play this game uh-huh. like yeah. it feels like it feels like eight-year-olds are supposed to be playing this but i'm okay still, with that though it's still like really fun and really cute and like peach has all these different moves she can do and like move sets that you can get and stuff it's like pretty I, sweet. I do like that because like the art style it's like that isn't a very like vector art like like it's like drawn it's like illustrated style almost, right no really what it reminds me of is owlboy it's like it's like high-res pixel art oh i didn't know it was pixel art okay yeah but um, i do like how there's like a a a dedicated art style for each like offshoot so like i really like the yoshi's island art style yeah, yeah. And things like that uh-huh um wario Wear has its, has its own feel yeah. like i like and i'm Paper waiting Mario. waiting for that waluigi game i want to know i want to know <laughs> what kind of like if like yeah miyamoto just like plopped down a waluigi amiibo in front of like our nintendo r&d one and said like make a game mm-hmm. based around waluigi yeah and I, yeah you're totally right they really do all their own style like luigi's mansion yeah uh, has that like everything's like that very pillowy like almost looks like marshmallows yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and mm-hmm. oh man that's such a good style and I, I like how they do that yeah uh so there's a uh so since we're talking about switch uh there's a really good motherboard article which is titled mario is not a human being because if you saw the super mario odyssey did you see that trailer for yeah, super mario yeah. odyssey did you see it, Sam? Yeah, everyone was like, that weirds me out. And I was like, fine with it. I don't know. Like, it doesn't weird me out, but yeah. I think it's hilarious. Like, have you seen like all the comparison shots where it's like Mario running through New Donk City? And yeah. then it's the <laughs> I love, picture. I love New Donk City. <laughs> New Donk City. <laughs> New yeah. Donk City. And then it's the picture of Sonic from like the 2008 Sonic with like his humanoid girlfriend. And it's just like, oh, it's like it's happening again. Like Mario's going to straight up like fuck a human being. Like. Like a super like regularly proportioned human being. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there's there's regular human beings. Not that Mario isn't. I mean, maybe he's human. I don't. I don't know. You know, he's human. Is he supposed to be right? Italian? I don't know. I thought, <laughs> I thought they all kind of reminded me of like we people. You know, like with the like we the, fit the, people. Oh, like okay. Yeah, it looks yeah, like yeah. the we fit. Like, that's like such a good fit. Like that's such a like they're all just kind of like sterile looking. And but you can't. Like, but if you look at that, it reminds you of Sonic Adventure One and Two when Sonic yeah, is in the city, really, and it's yeah. kind of creepy. It's kind of like, oh no, is this the beginning of the end? Yeah, but what what stuck out to me about that video was that all the street signs and everything's are are, are American, like American one yeah. way, you know, no U turn. Those are American signs, and um, yeah. You're Just right. why? Why is Mario in America specifically? He's in New York. He's in New Donk. Yeah, it's he's obviously Italian. obviously it's New York, and he's Italian. So <laughs> so weird. <laughs> like he's, yeah, you're right. Uh, Nintendo does not. F- their games don't feel very culturally Japanese. No, some of them. I was I was thinking about do. that. Some well, of them by cause, far do because they showed that, and then they showed like, like WarioWare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Definitely. like they showed that, and they showed. But I think there's a certain amount of cultural appropriation that Americans can do with WarioWare that you can't do with like Xenoblade Chronicles or like yeah, like right. I saw that Xenoblade Chronicles trailer and I was like, Ugh. that's a that's a tough conversation to have. But yeah, you're right, you're right. But the um, or like when they showed like they said Fire Emblem, and I was like, sweet Dynasty Warriors game. I was like, God damn it! Like I wanted this. <laughs> <laughs> like I Jesus. really wanted to see like a console uh. Fire Emblem from like you know because they did that for like GameCube era where they had the the, the, the remake for the like Famicom yeah. ones. I like Fire Emblem, but yeah, I think Super Mario Odyssey is really interesting. They're doing like a, a lot of really interesting, but there's changing the art style like all those worlds. Like there's like the cooking world where everything is super low yeah. poly and like really bright. It's Very like they did a tune shader on everything. Yeah. It's like fascinating. And then they have like the, the one realistic grass world. Yeah, where you're walking stuff. through the forest with the giant trees. It feels like he's like in Skyrim. Right. And that's yeah. what I was, it's like look, diverse environments, okay, that's like a return to 
Mario 64 or, or Sunshine, yeah. right? Um, or, and like uh, really platforming centric. Um, uh, I feel I felt like Gal- I like sandbox. Galaxy, like Galaxy games are great, but yeah. I, I I felt like they were like more puzzly feeling. Yeah, they're very abstracted, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just like really stoked about this like return to Mario platforming. It's gonna Me be great. too. I am yeah. too. But it's like the the the, the breadth and like art styles because usually there's a cohesiveness. Like yeah, there's different like art direction. Like when you in Sunshine, there's like the the one there's like the hotel, and then there's like the theme park, and right. like there are different attractions but it's there's this cohesion to it mm-hmm. whereas in this it's like new donk city has its own unique art style and then like the forest world has a unique the dia de los muertos world has like its own unique art style and like they're kind of like plopping wire and i think that's the th- point because sure. it's called super mario odyssey so it's like the point is like look at all these different like representations that we're doing right but that that's the most unique thing that they've i've never seen that before especially yeah. in a Mario game. It reminds me a lot of Mario 64, which was what I grew up on basically. Like yeah. I I played this was a, that was the first console I had was the N64. So mm-hmm. me and my sister we would just play it endlessly just seeing like, "Oh, I bet you can't jump on that mountain over there." Or I bet you, you know, just spending time in the overworld where yeah. the castle is. Exploring just it. jumping on things cuz it's so much fun and yeah, I, just I, I love it. The pure kinetic that. joy of interacting with that game is yeah. is amazing. And yeah. especially when you're with another person and you're yeah. You know, same thing for Zelda Ocarina of Time. Like, oh, I'm going to hook shot up on this roof and then I'm going to go to that roof. And it's like, none of this yeah. matters to the game, mm-hmm. but you're just kind of. Because it's your first 3D experience. So you're like trying to push the boundaries of yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And you're trying right. to get to the, the highest point on the map so you can see it or what, you know. Right. And that formula <laughs> with like 2017 level juice applied yeah. to it. No, oh, yeah. yeah. Like amazing. Looks good. Yeah. Like the part yeah. where like he jumps off the skyscraper, like back into like the map. Like has like such a GTA feel to it. Like that's yeah. so, like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's crazy that they're like pushing the boundaries that much. I also like how all the the uh, uh, crosswalk lights are just question mark blocks. Yeah, that, that was really cute. I thought that was really cool. But I love that they just show him climbing on skyscrapers. Like he's climbing up a wall and he's climbing up a ladder and he's going across a tightrope or whatever. And it's just kind of you're free to climb whatever building you want to i love right. not being locked into here's the next yeah. world you have to go to and yeah it's it. like yes. 64 meets like arkham city or something mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I, I wonder if <laughs> new donk awesome. city is the hub world because there's that ship he has that he like flies around so i don't know kind of makes sense that everything else is very fantastical and that one's very realistic so mm-hmm. for that to be the the overworld mm-hmm it's just funny to see all these like animatronic people like walking down the street and they look at Mario. Mario's like, oh, hi, it's like, yeah. Mario. And he's the, like running around. The only thing I didn't like was that he takes his hat off and throws it like a boomerang. And I don't I don't like Mario without his hat oh, on. I it's kind of disturbing. I think to it's me. cool. Ever since Mario yeah. 64, where the monkey can steal the hat. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> tries to take his hat off at the end of the level and he's like looking for it. He's like, huh? But the hat's alive. The hat is really cool. So he throws it like a boomerang and then he jumps on the hat to yeah. do like a, a double jump yeah. or whatever. It's like well, a bouncy mushroom. But so no, the hat like, is like, literally alive. There's like a hat ship. If you guys remember <laughs> that, there's like a hat spaceship. It just seems like a very hat based game to me. I yes. love hats. Or like Bowser hats has his great. top hat. Bowser has Bowser a is oh, like Bowser's a, a pimp. Yeah, he looks like a pimp. Yeah, what? <laughs> he has his top hat with a dollar sign on it and he like throws it at Mario and I'm like, what's going on? He like yeah. abducts Peach. 
and turns her into a prostitute or something. No, well, I don't know. I getting, made that up. Getting but too he, real. He is dressed like a pimp, though, which is weird. I mean, then, and then yeah. Mean Street's in New Donk City. Yeah. <laughs> working working women on New yeah, Donk City. Like this, yeah, I remember that. And I got like this weird like penguin vibe from him, you know? Like, mm-hmm. like that's yeah. It's like who Bowser's supposed to be now. It's pretty silly. Well, it's funny because they show that scene where he's like stomping on Mario's hat, which like doesn't have that much like weight to it until at the very end of the trailer you, you see that the hat's alive. Yeah. So it's like, oh, he's not just tearing up his property, he's committing yeah. murder. Right. But then in other parts of it, they show baby Bowser's playing with the Switch, and Bowser's like, oh no, I'm going to enable the parental controls on this. Yeah. And he's like a good dad. Yeah. He's a good dad, but horrible, <laughs> horrible human being. <laughs> that was the- Mario's just goofy. Like, I <laughs> the, don't get it. The best part about that parental controls trailer is that when Bowser takes out his iPhone, which is also really funny because his hands are huge, he's like trying to interact with this tiny iPhone. His lock screen is Princess Peach, which A, is super creepy, and B, is like the equivalent of like when someone has like an anime girl like as their lock screen yeah. on their iPhone, <laughs> and I'm like, that, that's your hostage. <laughs> like, that's a picture yeah. of like the woman you kidnap. Like, you should be like on every FBI watch list ever. Like, you yeah. should not be able within like 100 miles of New Donk City. Like, there's no, like, it's so weird. Yeah. Because it's... Because they treat it like this is like wholesome, f- happy family. It was like, no, like this man is like a villain and he kidnaps people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But then, yeah. Then he has like all these kids and he loves them. Yeah. So I don't know. I like that discrepancy. But if you if you go on Amazon to pre-order the Switch, there's, you know, you can ask questions about a product. I read the funniest question on there yesterday. I was laughing so hard. It was so badly typed, but it was like, if Mario and Dinky Kong is friends, I mean, is enemies then why sometimes they are pictured together smiling? Right, you know? <laughs> Is someone answer it? Um, yeah, in this, in the same like mocking their language. But it, I mean, it's true that like Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong is his original enemy. But like, what happened between Donkey Kong and Super Mario Brothers that made you know Mario forgive friends. Donkey Kong? Yeah, they just played some kart racing. And like Bowser, I mean Bowser looks more villainous. You know, and they and yeah. I guess they had like a well. I mean, didn't wasn't there a Bowser game? I feel like there was a Bowser. There's game. Bowser's Inside Story. Yeah, Bowser's Inside Story. But like, there's, but like even then, that they're still sort of like framing it like right. It's a Mario and Luigi game. Yeah, right. And 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 Donkey Kong has had what I don't I, I can't count them off the top of my head, but like a, a ton of platformers. Yeah, there's one, two, three, junior. Yeah. So if you have those games and you're a Nintendo fan, you play them. Donkey Kong doesn't really feel like a any sort of antagonist yeah. anymore. So. Yeah, ba- some, something happened have, like, to him. like a staple antagonist. Well, I mean, Bowser has always been either the straight antagonist or like the tragic character. Like he's never been right, like straight up like it's never Bowser like making breakfast for his kid or something, <laughs> taking him to school. <laughs> yeah. Oh, son, I hope you have a good I hope they talk cuz that was the best part about Super Mario Sunshine is that Bowser had speaking lines. Right. He wasn't just like it adds so much more to the character. Right. Well, I guess uh, okay, so so uh, and maybe this is just happenstance, right? But like the first really like super um, consumers focus. Well, I mean they're all consumer focused because video games. But like the first uh, Mario game that everyone had in their home was 1985 Mario Brothers, right? Uh-huh. That's like Super Mario Bros. Super Mario Brothers for the for the NES. Um, and the villain in that was Bowser, uh, for whatever reason. So maybe after the smashing success that was that game. Maybe they just thought it was appropriate to keep Bowser as the villain rather than being like, oh, hey, there was Donkey Kong from back when, yeah. Yeah. There were, you know, shoots and ladders or whatever. Mm-hmm. So so maybe that's why. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's just, yeah, it's just easy 
for like a like a for you know for kids playing the game they have this kind of set up antagonist protagonist kind of yeah the evil turtle rather than just a big old monkey because i mean like the mario and luigi games like browser's inside story is just a spiritual successor to like super mario rpg and bowser was a playable character in that so like that was that's made for more an older crowd to understand like this 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 concept Mm -hmm. i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if that's gonna pick up uh so ruthie yes did you get the neon controllers or the wrong controllers? No, I got the black or gr- the r- dark the gray ones. Gray, dark, dark, dark gray, but not black or whatever color it is. Um, I, I, We're everything in dangerous. my house, everything in my house is black. You know, PS4 and the like my soul, the Amazon Fire TV and all that. They're uh-huh. all black. So you didn't want this bright neon. It's hilarious that they don't match. Yeah, like, the one's red and one's blue. I yeah. think that's great, and that's really intuitive for young kids and new gamers. Ah, uh, to like know which it, one's left and yeah, right. Yeah, if it corresponds with the games themselves. Usually, one player's red and two players blue, and when you're selecting characters and stuff like that. So, I think that's really intuitive for them. But no, I don't. I don't like. Like my DS is black. Everything's black. <laughs> there was someone joking on Twitter about how like there's like some sort of like subversive political commentary with nintendo's choice because the blue one is the left one and the red one's the right one. Oh, i i don't, I don't think that's that. true they were just no. making a joke but i thought that was pretty funny yeah. it was like here's nintendo again trying to take sides i'm just glad that they staggered the joysticks this time that's all i'm thinking oh diagonal yeah. yeah it's it's like an xbox controller instead of like diagonal joysticks the all inverse way. ps3 controller that was the wii u classic controller if you remember that was it they were up? Yeah, the joysticks were up and then like oh. the D pad and um A B X Y buttons were were down. I didn't know that. There's no D pad on on the Joy Con. Because yeah, they have to both have to be face controllers. Right. So or yeah, face buttons. I'm sure I'm sure what they're gonna do is just one will act like a D pad. No, yeah, but yeah. it's weird because a D pad has been such a staple to every single Nintendo yeah. controller. Oh yeah, you're totally right. And there's yeah, straight up no D pad. Yeah. Was there a D pad on the N sixty four controller? Yeah, okay. it's because it has three handles. Remember? Right. Okay. So it's D pad on the left. The left handle has a D pad. We and I was just like bitching about how the <laughs> yeah you were not happy. Controller ever made. It is pretty well, bad. It's, it's yeah. because they were transitioning from Super Nintendo that had only D pad to like add more the new more and prongs. the crazy new revolution of analog sticks. So they yeah. were transitioning some stuff. I was like listening yeah. to you complain about it, but in my brain, like I I don't even remember how I held it. I don't know if I held it with like two hands or a hand in the middle, but I played n64 so much that I, I think i just defaulted to however i held it yeah so i was like acknowledging how you felt but like in my head like it couldn't right. i couldn't get past like the innate like play style i had with the n64 if i i mean i it's been a long time since i played an n64 on like a basis but um but if i remember correctly most games didn't even really make use of the d-pad no i don't i don't know a single like, one that did except for pokemon stadium had like some mini games so you right. know when it was funny watching little kids interact with it because they pick it up and they put their hands on the far left and far right uh, right. handles because that's and how they're like, expected to play it. Yeah, that's how they expect, but that's never how you play it. You have one hand on the middle handle and one hand on the right handle. Yeah, and this left one gets unused. So yeah, it is weird, but to me, I mean, it's totally natural to me because I yeah. played it so much. I'm curious, like, what if Nintendo's like. Like the way they design their controllers, if it's like a lot of user testing, it was like, no, we feel like for GameCube, big ass A button, 
little bitty B button and then these weird semicircles around the A button for X and Y, or if they're just like we've seen that like user testing like this is how you should make the okay. controller. If they're also just like fuck it, I big like, ass A button. I like that the buttons feel different. So it's like um, you know they design coins so that blind people can use them. They're different sizes. Like okay. if if yeah. all your coins were the same size, it'd be harder to pick out the right change when you're paying for something. So I like that idea that you can feel the A button underneath your finger. It's big. It feels different than the B button. Right. And there's like on, on sort of that, uh, that idea, there's, um, there's, you press all those buttons differently too. Mm-hmm. So you press like the X button with the tip of your thumb. Yeah. You like rock yeah. into the, it. The y is the side of your thumb or maybe those are reversed. And then the, the B buttons, the other side, right. You don't really, yeah. You sort of like rock the buttons. You don't really like, yeah. You don't really like, um, press them all with your your the tip of your thumb like you do on like an Xbox controller. Right. Yeah, the GameCube controller is probably one of my favorite design controllers ever. I mean, yeah, too. I like it. Um, it's just it's just funny because you just look at the layout of the face buttons on that side of the controller. You're just like, yeah. what the fuck? It, like what? I would play Smash in such a weird way. I'm going to demonstrate. But I would I would have my... <laughs> um, so I would use the... Or maybe this is on the N64. Yeah, N64 one. I would um, have my pointer finger on the C buttons and my thumb on the A and B buttons, and I would use that to jump. Oh, it's like wow. claw, but yeah. And then 60 so you, like can, bumper you can jump yeah. by flicking the uh, analog the, stick, yeah, but I always thought that was really awkward. So I would hit the C button to jump. Yeah. Um, so And I would use my pointer finger for that. So I had like four fingers on the face of the controller Damn. playing really weirdly. But. Did I tell you about the 3DS? How it wasn't working? Yeah, did it, does it work now? It works now. I have no idea why. Did I tell you about this, Sam? What's with your technology? Just like I don't know. It's I have like I don't know. I have like an EMP pulse or something. Yeah. The plastic on yours looks nicer. Yeah, I, I like that green. That's the whole well, reason I, mean, I bought it. Oh, you mean on the on the, the matte part? Yeah, yeah. So it was freezing, and then it just straight up like it would it would turn on, but it wouldn't go to the home screen. Mm-hmm. It just like progressively would freeze sooner and sooner, and I was like, all right. And then when I came back after Magfest, it was working, and now I'm super terrified. So I might just send it in regardless. You should, yeah. I still have never played Smash on one of those. Is it good? Is it yeah. fun? Yeah. Nice. It's really good. Nice. I only have it on that. I don't have it on Wii U. That's fun. Yeah. Despite I've, the fact that I have a, the GameCube breakout thing for <laughs> for this because we played it at Mason's. So I brought that. Oh, yeah. That's another thing I hadn't thought about. We're finally not going to use GameCube controllers for Smash anymore. Sorry. I'm like I'm like way too into Smash Brothers. Oh, I love <laughs> Smash Brothers. Yeah. But, but like, yeah, I mean, like, they doesn't the Wii U even have GameCube ports on it? It has a USB, so that, that, that thing right there, it has a USB thing. plug-in. You plug it into the Wii U, and then you plug the GameCube controllers um, into it. There was a Nintendo product? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. yeah. but there was Nintendo a massive shortage of them when the game came out, so most people were not able to play with GameCube yeah. controllers, and they were pissed. And they re- and they, right. and they start, and they re, uh, they started manufacturing more GameCube controllers. Right. But instead of the GameCube logo on it, it was the Smash logo. That's cool. Yeah. Apparently, some people would do they would they would shave the start button down, so that you wouldn't accidentally hit it when you were like like super high level play for Smash. Right, shave the start button down to skip over it, so you wouldn't accidentally brush it when you were playing. That's crazy. Yeah, wow, it's <laughs> a weird shit. That's awesome. Yeah, I I was never I've I've never been like competitive. I've I've been in a Smash tournament before. I've never really been a competitive Smash player. Do some sea dashing or sea oh. waves, whatever it's called. <laughs> Wave dashing. Wave dashing. With Luigi, yeah. Um, but uh, I I don't know. I, I still think that Melee was like the best one. Like that's. I think most people agree with you. I like yeah. the Wii U one, and I like the roster. Well, I like part of the roster. I hate there's so many Fire Emblem characters in it, but mm-hmm. I like Little Mac. 
Little Mac's my go-to. Mm-hmm. And he play, and I mean, the game plays just like the melee one. It just, you know, it looks better. I just, I like, I like melee. I play. I put a lot of hours into melee. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, there's, I, I, I'm not at that high level of thinking where I can like notice the very minor differences between the two. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, I like the Wii U and 3DS one. I gotta be honest though, I've been playing Windjammers on an emulator ever since Magfest. <laughs> yeah. And that might be that might have replaced Smash for me. I don't know. Windjammers oh, wow. is weirdly so fun. People really like Windjammers, and I've never played it, and I really want it's to. It's really easy to pick up, but hard to master. So it's like tennis, but with a frisbee. Yeah. So I mean, that's it's it, like pong, it's, except you can hold the like the you can charge it up. It's pong, except it. yeah, except with, there's like extra moves. So it's right. pong if you could hold the hold the ball and do extra stuff to like throw it or like uh-huh. do curve shots and stuff yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. But at a core level, it's fundamental level, it's Pong. Um, I like it. I, I mean, I've seen, like, the Giant Bomb guys do tons of videos about it and love it so much. Yeah, I really want. What's really funny is it was it had such a bad release. Like, it came out and everyone's like... Was it Neo yeah. Geo? Yeah, it's Neo Geo. Okay. So, pretty obscure game, but I've been seeing it everywhere. There, <laughs> there was a Neo Geo at the Computing Museum at MAGFest. I, I don't know what There was, was a guy who was wearing one around his neck. A Neo Geo? Yeah. Or, or Neo Geo or Pocket. Neo Geo Pocket. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. I was like, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Neo so Geo in Pocket. In my head, I can't discern the difference between Neo Geo Pocket, Pocket and like a Game Gear. Are they kind of like the same form factor? Yeah, like little LCD screen, eats up batteries like crazy, has a few good games, but no one yeah. has ever played it, really. Those Neo Geo carts are ridiculous. It's like two super nintendo carts like stacked yeah they're uh. immense yeah it's crazy cool they're ridiculous they had a breakdown of the cartridges in the computer museum I they had a I bunch of them that were taken apart and it's so funny to look at the differences between the atari ones and the nintendo ones because nintendo is very consistent like all their manufacturers even third parties they look they all look the same seal of quality Seal of quality, yeah. Yeah. But the Atari ones, they let them have free reign. So as long as the input is the same, the top of the cartridge can look however you want. So some of them have like handles on top. Some of them are square. Some of them are rectangular, mm-hmm. different colors. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So that's that's interesting. That's always how I felt about Nintendo is like really good quality and consistency. Yeah. Where Atari had like way more games, but they're all just all slapdash over the place. and weird. I and played <laughs> Food Fight on Food that 7800. That was I like I was surprised like how good that game was. Yeah, yeah, everyone that came by my booth, well not everybody, but a lot of people were like, "Oh, this reminds me of Food Fight." And I'm like, "What the heck is that?" And then they had it upstairs. They had it yeah, upstairs. It and I played fun. it. And then that animation when you get to the ice yeah. cream cone and the guy's <laughs> mouth gets like twice as large as his body, he's like, "Oh." It wraps around the ice cream cone. <laughs> his like tongue is like hanging out. Yeah, and... you have to look it up. It's so funny. Jeez. I really liked it. But yeah, so, Ruthie, favorite yes. thing at Magfest? Favorite thing? Favorite thing. Oh, for sure it was the computer museum and how they, they had all these all these computers and just all the all the Macs especially because I'm pissed at, you know, they haven't released a Mac Pro in three years. Yeah. And they are really like ditching computers for the mm-hmm. most part. And so going back to those glory days of like the classic Mac, the Apple IIe, and then even the iMacs uh, with the stupid puck mice. Um, even those, uh. it's like the glory days of Apple I don't know. I really enjoyed seeing those again working and you can go in and you can 
delete files. You can do whatever you want. They just had them open. And um, yeah, you the computer museum. Open sure. Photoshop. It was like Photoshop 3 or something. <laughs> yeah. And people just leaving. You know how they, they had notes, like the sticky notes? Uh-huh. People making sticky, sticky covering notes. Covering yeah, the desktop in those. People were just like using Sherlock to find files and just messing around with the operating system. To me, that was so funny that it, they called out a museum. I'm like, oh, man, I've I've had these yeah. in my school. It's only like 14 <laughs> years old. Yeah. Um, so I, I really enjoyed the computer museum and the fact it was open. We were that we were there till like 2, 3 a.m. Yeah. Messing with old computers. I wanted to show Sam Streets of SimCity and it oh, wasn't yeah. on either Max's PC. I was yeah. super pissed. The one just straight up wasn't installed. The second one, I hit the, the shortcut and it said, please insert the Streets of SimCity disk. I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I have pissed. it on CD-ROM, so... You can borrow All right. It. See if it'll run on I mean, Windows 10. It's probably easier to just download it and from. Emulate it. Yeah. I wonder if GOG has it. I don't know. They might. Do they have the they other have, ones? They have a lot of Sim games, if I remember correctly. It's been a while since I've checked out GOG, but they do. I was watching Tyler they did play. have some Sim games. Simcopter. Yeah. And I was like, all right, Simcopter. Simcopter is so cool. It's, it's real cool. I Mom have I all of like, these how games. How are they doing? They didn't really have lighting like back then. So how are they doing the lighting with like the spotlight on the ground in a cheap way? And it's, it's probably like weird baked in stuff or like they're like doing some sort of cut. Really interesting. It. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a texture probably follows it. Yeah. It's probably a texture with like the stencil buffer or something. I, we're not sure. I, like, I, don't, I don't know if they, if the engine they made that in had, had access to a stencil buffer. So it's like. I don't know. That's like getting way too technical, but yeah, it's like really interesting stuff. Um, What was your favorite thing? My favorite thing was uh, probably a tie between the computer museum, um, specifically like like the Sinclair. No, screw down with the Sinclair with you, and then um, and then the uh, Black Emperor. Oh my god, Black Emperor was like (laughs) probably my favorite game I've played so far this year. just so everyone knows, Black Emperor is a game about, it's an endless runner um, where you're playing a dude on a motorcycle and you're going at like breakneck speed across this landscape. Um, and you have to stay on the road. If you go off the road, you start to slow down. Um, and there's a button um, that lets you speed up. And if you, if you touch either side of the screen, like um, either you slowed all the way down or you sped all the way up, you'll crash. Um, and if you touch any obstacles... Um, on the road, you also crash. And so the goal is to just go for as long as you can without crashing. Yeah, and there's a distance marker. But like the, the the game itself looks like this really nice pixel art, like very, very unique pixel art. But mm-hmm. like the score tally is like super high res vector. Right. It's really nice font. It's got a lot of like Japanese flair to it because it has like a bunch of Japanese characters that like fly at you when you lose, but also right. like has like a, it's kind of like reminds me of drive in a way yeah, like it's, the got, movie. it's got that vibe you know it really reminds me of um it's it's sort of got that like uh neo pixel art where it, it looks kind of crummy but in like a good way that you yeah, see yeah. in like yeah like hotline miami yeah it's got like, like some grime to it yeah um and and the cool thing about the background uh is that it's like 19 layers of parallax it's so yeah. cool so, <laughs> it's it's just like the most beautiful looking thing. It's um, like the sand really close to you right. is like zooming by, but like the, the, the mountains way back in the draw are like going right. super slow. But by far the best way to, to play, um, the, the best thing about the game is that uh, you're, you're, the, the way you steer is by moving the motorcycle up and down um, on the lower half of the screen where the road is. Um, and the way you do that is by spinning this like skateboard wheel um, that, they have, uh, that they have sort of on the arcade setup. <laughs> And you spin it down and move them down. You spin it up to go up. But it feels like because there's like motion and um, there's uh, inertia to the skateboard wheel, it feels like you almost have this like 
like you're like cur- like you're you're trying to contain this motorcycle it's a, it's that's going bouncing like at miles an yeah. hour. Yeah. You know, and and uh, there's acceleration it, to it. Right. Or like there's a momentum. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that's part of what makes the game such a cool experience. It's just the control surface. And like when it gives you the game over <laughs> screen, if you only gone like ten meters, it says you really suck, and then and it yeah. restarts mm-hmm. you. Yeah. It makes fun of you. Yeah, yeah, there's incentive to die different ways so you can see the different endings. Oh, we got so yeah. excited yeah. when he blows up, when he hits the railing, because it's like two frames of animation. It's like, poof, right, right, and then it's game right. over. Yeah. Yeah, it's and it's really like, they, they do a lot of stuff that I really value in game design of like minimizing any time spent outside of like the, the gameplay cycle, uh-huh. right? So like we were talking about this on the way back, but like- Yeah, with my game. Yeah, so if you die, you should be playing again like right yeah. away. Like there yeah, should not I be agree. any menu or any sort of like- should make as much of the player's time as you possibly can. That makes a lot of sense on mobile games and also makes a lot of sense in like an arcade setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing, uh, it's I just really like games with like real where, where they turn the style up all the way like that. And they really like he really did. Like it's very stylized, very unique. I've never seen any other game like it. And then of course, like the interesting control surface. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah, I could go on about Black Emperor for forever, but it's, it's great. I really want I want to talk to that guy and see if he wants to come on. I think he'd be really interesting to talk to. You. Yeah, um, I talked to him for a while. Um, he's he's really cool, dude. Um, def- he's he's he went to NYU and that's where he made right. Yeah. That's where he I, made I saw I saw his profile page on the mm-hmm. Game Center website. Um, but yeah, I think I think he'd be totally down. He's like, he, at least to me, he came across as like super down to earth and was like a lot of fun to talk to. So I'll, I'll definitely reach out to him. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing because I knew you were going to say Black Emperor, and if you didn't, I was going to say Black Emperor. But <laughs> my favorite thing was probably all the Team Skull cosplay. Yes, they were <laughs> there amazing. Were, there was like a hundred Team Skull members just like running around the convention center, and there was a lot of really cool. There was a point I was playing a game with Mason where I would just point out any sort of gender swap cosplay. I'd be like, gender swap, revolver ocelot, gender swap, airman, gender swap, <laughs> gender swap, Mario. I saw a ginger swap quiet, uh, ginger, gender swap. I did too. Quiet, and that yeah. was pretty funny. What? He, he was rocking I wanna it. I want to see that. There's a, there's a, if you go to Google Image Search, there's a really good gender swap quiet, and it's like, looking oh, good. I only funny. saw female ones, and I was like, ugh. Yeah, I'm not a fan. <laughs> also, it was 20 degrees outside, and I was like, you're crazy. Yeah. Yeah, the people that would like do the recurring cosplay, it's like, I'm going to dress up as this character multiple times like throughout mm-hmm. the entire convention. I'm like, you were putting a lot of dedication into this. Mm-hmm. I respect it, but my God. Someone dressed up as the 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 mechanic from Final Fantasy 15. I don't know if you've seen this character design. She I don't ha- know. She has like a she has like a trucker hat and like a yellow jacket with like a, a red shirt underneath. But like the jacket and the shirt just all the midriff is showing. Uh-huh. And then like super short jean shorts. And it's just girl I saw her multiple times, like through different days. So she obviously like Took the costume off and then had to put it back together and like had to do up her hair because it's like these bright platinum blonde like curls. There was the so hair. much like anime colored hair in the bathrooms, just like on the sinks and in the floor. Oh my god! Just, like, <laughs> they they come back and they'd yeah, style they style it and there's it. just hair everywhere. Yeah, I saw I saw people that like um there's like some kid who was like Goku, but he actually had his hair like styled like yeah that, he like, like molded it these amounts of gel. Yeah, and I was like, how did you how like. Enjoy the festival, man. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> she spent like three hours in the yeah, exactly. in your hotel yeah. room doing that. There, in the bathrooms, it was just full of girls like adjusting their tiny costumes, mm. basically. <laughs> so I did see the funniest thing I saw was um, there was a, a bunch of girls who were all dressed up as Sailor Moon cosplays that got stuck in one of the revolving doors in the very front. Fifteen <laughs> <laughs> of them, like all just like trying to make this revolving door. She like pressed against That's the glass. Awesome. Like, ah. It was great. Oh my god! Like five Sailor Jupiters just like stepped on top of each other. 
Yeah, but all the team skulls, it was it was crazy. That was fantastic. And there was a guy in an enormous Snorlax costume. Yeah. Like, I didn't see that. Wow. Like, I don't know how big he's supposed to be in real life, but, you know, it was as big as five or six people. Mm-hmm. It was huge and mm-hmm. fuzzy and, like, cute. Did you see the executor and execute? Yes. Cosplay. I, I saw very few Tyler took a good picture of it where it was like an execute the person. I mean, they they're were obviously sitting, friends, but yeah, they were they, sitting across from each other, just like in the hotel, like atrium, and just kind of like looking at each other, but you couldn't see their faces. So it was just like an execute and an executor, just kind of like. They were so. just facing each other directly, sitting yeah. in a chair, but wow. they. They didn't have the costume past their legs, so they're just wearing black tights and little ballet flats. So they have these very like small feminine legs yeah. holding up the. Just very white. Like, the ex- <laughs> was really executor funny. wasn't like like ignore, ignoring like the Pokemon Sun and Moon one, which has the ridiculous neck. But it like looked even stumpier than like the regular one because like super fat and like the heads are super big but low to the torso. It was just like this big yeah. bulbous looking executor. It's all very well made. Everyone there is so talented. Did you guys see the pyramid head? I did. Yes. I saw the Illuminati guy. Did you see the Illuminati guy? No. There's a guy. He was he was in a suit, and he had like like a. Uh, like a Beats jam box or something around his neck, but he had a pyramid head. Um, I don't know if it was supposed to be a riff from pyramid head, but it was the pyramid from the dollar bill with the eye on it, and it was and that's what it was printed on every face of the pyramid. Uh-huh. And he was just he was that he was also wearing that multiple days, but he was just walking yeah. around just like he would just stand in corners and just be playing some you know like rap or something and just be like <laughs> standing as the Illuminati. And there was a point where I was like going up to the hotel room. And he got on the escalator behind me, so I'm just standing there with like Illuminati just blaring rap music at me. And there's a guy going on the down escalator. He looks up, he's like Illuminati. And I'm like, oh my god, I really want to get off. Also saw yeah. this kind of burly, kind of short guy with like, you know, a, a full beard who's dressed up as Diddy Kong. <laughs> but it was like a really shitty Diddy Kong. Yeah. He, he had a red hat and had the Nintendo on it, but he just had a plain red T-shirt. With two paper stars just like stapled to it, but the paper stars were curling on the corners. <laughs> so he just looked like this really kind of like hungover, burly Diddy Kong. <laughs> and he gets on the escalator with me, but his friends like didn't get on the escalator. So he's just trapped between all these people. And he looks over and his friends are just like waving at him goodbye. And I'm like, oh, Diddy Kong, did your friends <laughs> abandon you? And he's like, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> so many, so many bad Ricks. There's oh, from, from Rick, Rick and Morty? Morty. Yeah. yeah, they were like dime a dozen. There's just like they were oh, a lot, like yeah. blue, blue hair, blue, blue hair. wig. Like, oh man, Mason was cracking up because you know how they had like the weird rave area at, right outside the exhibit hall where they were playing the music. It was like a little yeah. uh, dance area. Yeah. yeah, apparently there was a Rick like standing in the corner that was cracking Mason up because he was high as fuck. <laughs> he just had like this thousand yard stare. He was just like tranced by like all the the, the music going on. It was just, Damn, like, bloodshot eyes. That's hilarious. Yeah. There are definitely some shenanigans that happened. I, I, one of the other, the other thing I really liked was, um, Moment and I wound up at a pool party that started <laughs> when the pool opened at 5 a.m. on Saturday, and that was that was fine because like Saturday was like my all right, we're gonna actually like go out and party tonight because uh-huh. because As like, it, because you didn't party the previous nights. I didn't party the previous nights because I was working on my damn game. So so uh, I was making a like, joke because didn't you get you know pretty far along on Friday night? Um, I did get pretty far along on okay. Friday night. I did. <laughs> Because okay. um, you you weren't looking happy at your booth Saturday morning. No, um, you're in recovery mode. I was, but but I recovered pretty pretty well. But I actually like went like Friday night. I was only up to like two. Only uh, only right. Well, this is Magfest, right? So, but like like Friday night, Saturday night. I think I got three hours of sleep between seven a.m. and uh, 
11 a.m. Uh-huh. or something when Mibs was supposed to open. So, so yeah, that was crazy. But it, it was it was really like, I don't know. I think that's like MAGFest is definitely super about like that, those like wee hours where you sort of meet people and, um, you know, you, you may not may not necessarily be drunk, but you're just like, like meeting these people and bonding over this like thing that you both cherish a lot. And that's, and that was pretty cool. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. I did see someone in the elevator who was drinking an open Heineken and then his friend standing next to him just handing him his flask and they were just taking swigs from the flask and the oh, Heineken. Yeah. Oh, so many shared flasks yeah. at breakfast. Yeah. You can, you, I mean, you can just like bring alcohol around the Gaylord. They won't, they don't let you really like take it into the main you, festival. Yeah, you can't area. go into the exhibit hall with it. Um, but, but like if you just walk around the Gaylord, they're fine yeah. with it. Yeah. No, yeah. Well, I mean, it was just funny to see that. It was just like everyone's having a good time, but this guy was really having a good time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, it's fun to do. It's fun to do that. I didn't think um, I was going to go really hard. Um, I did. I definitely did Saturday night, but it was it was fun to 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 actually like go and do the MAGFest thing and like hang out with everyone. Um, I do definitely. I think I like I think MAGFest has kind of a slider edge over PAX for me simply because PAX shuts down at a certain time. Right. It's like, all right, clear the floor. We're done. But like MAGFest is like. Let's keep going, baby. It Let's go. Really, twenty four seven. I don't know if really you guys. Um, did, have you guys been keeping up with the MIVS Google group thread? Yeah, I, um, I keep. I am getting emails about it. Well, the Doctor Spacesuit guy posted. His, oh, he said his twenty four hour thing. His yeah, he posted his hours and like basically. Um, I mean, his game is particularly well suited to it. Silent Earth wouldn't have gotten any, any more meaningful, play testing out of being up for like the overnight. Right. But he like over half of his plays were were between like after co- core hours basically. That's yeah. Um, yeah. So if I have a game that is suitable to that next year, I definitely will do it. Yeah. yeah the you 24 know. hour setup is yeah. really. I think having a optimal. wired Xbox controller was would be the moves because Momen lend us his. Um, I'm just nervous about people picking up stuff and walking away. Yeah. Like, like they did with Momen's. Well, Space 2 had all of his stuff locked in a case with ev- all of his monitors and everything were locked down to the oh, table. That's smart. Big chain. Yeah, and cruise, bruising cruisers. Who's next to Sam? They, he, Anthony had all of his stuff in a five-gallon bucket, like locked to the table. Mm-hmm. It was really funny looking. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I people were pretty respectful. I didn't really have anything go missing. Some people like ganked some water bottles for my, yeah. and that that's, was like that's, that's like good. fine. You can yeah. have that, you know. Um, and like my chairs got moved around, but like I left my TV up, and I mean it's like a shitty Walmart 720p mm-hmm. TV, but like no one. No one messed with any of my stuff. Like all my snacks were still there, um, that I left, uh, and like, um, like I had like a mouse and some other things that were that were sitting around, and no one like some speakers. No one messed with those. Yeah. So uh-huh. I think I mean, and I heard someone saying this that there's uh, there's Magfest is one of the better conventions that the Gaylord deals with. Like I was talking with the Gaylord people, and they're like, yeah, you guys are like super polite compared to the other conventions we have here like there's what is it otakon or whatever it's called like the big anime convention yeah, yeah. it's also at the gaylord hey, they're like yeah they're those people are insane but is that Mac at the gaylord like the, i thought that was farther up I in think maryland it's in baltimore yeah i thought it was in baltimore Maybe i think it's about something else then but they, they said but, that yeah. like out of some the other, other like weird, sort of like nerdy convention yeah sure yeah. um that the that like we're like the magfest is like the nicer That's one good. Then and people like, are very mannerful. So hurts like someone shit in a pool or something at a previous not a magfest, but like yeah, a, at at um it was some other convention at the Gaylord, yeah. 
probably some like finance convention or something. But no, <laughs> but people, those finance guys. People were talking about how much rowdier last year and the previous years were. So there was there were more rave type events and like, way more drugs and people getting into trouble Christ. last year. Yeah, so. which like I I honestly like if I want to go to rave I'll go to a rave. Right. But, like and and. I really like Magfest for just being like, "Hey, come play video games of all shapes yeah. and sizes for four days straight," and that's all we're doing here. You know, I'm fine with that. Like you and I were talking about in the car, I don't think I would do Magfest if I didn't have a game at Mivs. I just don't think I could be in it for like that long because it's just so. Because it was good. Because like this, these are my work hours, and right. this is like you can't do that at PAX because you're working all day, and by the time you're done working, like the show's over. Right. So it's like you're never going to see the greater part of it. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, honestly, most of the people that I like talked to on Twitter or something beforehand that were either like doing a show or were at MIVS or had some other involvement were really like only doing stuff like late at night. Right. Like they weren't mm -hmm. really hanging out during the day. Right. That's so, yeah. Cool. Yeah. 24 hour thing is definitely sweet. I like, it. I like, it. I, like it. I could go up to my hotel room and then come down. It wasn't like I had to walk across the street or anything. Right. That was great. I'm glad everyone had a good MAGFest. It was amazing. Yes. Glad we were able to have this. It was fun having you guys breakdown. along. It was really good. Yeah, yeah I'm no, glad so my yeah. RVA crew was here with me. Yeah. Well, the whole repping was awesome. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm really big on trying to push that RVA Game Jam's mega booth to see if yeah. we can get any sort of traction with that. I'm, yeah, I'm, I I think we should uh, talk to... I, I made friends with Tronster, so we should probably talk to him yeah. um, and, and a few other people and see if that's... See if that's something possible. That's an option, yeah. Because that'd be cool. Totally. Right. Well, Ruthie... Thank you for having us, Dylan. Thank you for coming on, Thanks, Dylan. Sam. No problem. No problem. Thanks, Dad. No problem. <laughs>